Welcome to another edition of Swoops World, right here on the new Talk Story Radio Network. Swoops World, where you get all you need to know about arts, culture, news, and happiness. Our number, if you want to give us a call tonight, is 562-912-3444. You can always email us at swoopsworld at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Once again, if you want to give us a call, that number is 562-912-3444. Now just sit back and enjoy another edition of Swoops World on the new Talk Story Radio Network. of Swoops World Late Night. It is Wednesday, August 12, 2015. How's it going, Peter? It's going all right. Looking forward to tonight. Uh, needless to say, I'm excited uh, to have the return of author Andrew Peterson to the show, and I make no bones about it. I love his books, so I'm looking forward to chatting with him. He has to, to read the uh, the one that just got re- just got released, so I'm really, really, uh, really looking forward to talking to him. Very cool. How's your week been, man? It's been all right. Yeah? Yeah. 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 It's only like three more weeks till the kids go back to school, so <laughs> it's been okay. You're counting down those days, aren't yeah. you? Yeah, <laughs> I took the kids to um, Magic Mountain on Monday. You went to Magic Mountain? Yeah. Oh. I, I like roller coasters, so it wasn't terrible, but I'll tell you what, they've got a gimmick. We went on the first ride. It took an hour and a half. Mm. Now, they're only we got there at 12. Like, we got into the park at 12. Right. They only open to eight. <laughs> Every, during the summer? I know, right? It's weird. Every single ride that you want to go on, like if you're a roller coaster fan, was an hour and a half to two hours long. Ugh. So that meant they're only open for eight hours, essentially, 12 to eight, right? We right. Got, like I said, we got there a little earlier, but by the time we actually got into the park, 12 o'clock. That means we could go on four rides. <laughs> I was about to lose my shit. <laughs> then I saw, when you go into the second ride, yeah. I saw that they have this thing called the Flash Pass, as in like the Flash, right? Uh-huh. I'm like, what is that? So as we're standing in line here for another hour and a half, or we're about to, I look at the thing and it's like, if you were willing to pay a certain amount of extra money per person. The, you go to the head of the line? Yeah. <laughs> I take it you were willing to pay that. I said, guys, let's get out of this line. We are we are going to go all the way to the front or on the backside, you know. We're all the way to the front, and we're going to get this flash pass. And they, when we get there, they better not be sold out of these things. Uh, so um, without that, we'd have been able to do four Maybe five rides if we skipped yeah. lunch. You know, it's like I don't know how they can get away with that. Um, it's just it's criminal, really. Um, and they made a bunch of money off me because I was like, <laughs> I paid something like seventy bucks per head. <laughs> but you put it's like a little child's toy. You plug in, say, reserve your next spot. Right. So like the Batman ride, we walked into the Batman ride. I kid you not, we walked past a two-hour line. People were looking at us like they're like 
going to yeah. kill us, you know? We walked past the two-hour line. We showed them our pass. They have a little other device that you tap together. They say, yeah, okay, you're good. Right. We walked in. A train left. The next train pulled up. We walked on. You know, I, I was know, like, wow. I don't, I don't think they still do, but the last time I was at Disneyland, which does give you an idea, my kid who's 18 now was probably like eight. <laughs> they had a, a similar thing. Uh, you know, you, you had to go, but you had to show up between a certain time period. Right. Your 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 pass for that ride was between this time yeah. period. And you they have that, and they still have that. Disney, it's called the fast okay. pass. Yeah. But the problem with the fast pass, Disneyland had let so many people in that a lot of times – you're still waiting in a line. Uh, it's a much shorter line, but right. you're still waiting in a line. The thing that that, of course, you're also not paying for that, right? right? It's just part of your ticket. The difference is, is with the not, with the Magic Mountain, you literally, you just you just literally walk onto the ride, <laughs> but you got to pay for it. I mean, and they had the reservation thing down so so well that like two people might be with you like two other, like another party and you and because it's your time right you show up oh. boom you get right i was like wow that is it's a pile of money when you know when you start talking if it's just you it's like 50 70 bucks 70 yeah. bucks is what it was four people <laughs> I mean, you do the math that adds up but uh otherwise i mean as it was we got to go on like 10 12 rides right yeah. otherwise we'd have gone on four Rides. That was it. Total. Spend, spend eight hours and go an hour, an hour, hour there, there, hour, hour home. Back and, yeah, exactly. So, oh, <laughs> anyhow, it's, it's it's quite a gimmick because you know they could allay all of this by just letting fewer people into the park, but then they or wouldn't make as much money. Staying open later, or staying open later. <laughs> yeah, and like they didn't open till ten thirty. Yeah, and they close at eight. Yeah, yeah. it was like why not open at nine or eight yeah. and close at midnight. I, was, I got a it's, bunch of rides free there about two, uh, a couple of years ago when I was there. To, uh, they had extra thing gig on a commercial, some kind of NFL commercial. Mm. We got to go on all the rides when we weren't shooting. So. Yeah. Let's take a quick break and come back and get our guest on. What do you say? Sounds good. You're listening to Swoops Road on the Talk Story Radio Network. This is Raspin Stewart, Smoke the Hookah, back after this. Started out so innocently We learned to take what we need Forgive us for our greed Let's dance We smoke the hookah and dance We smoke the hookah and dance Rome was not built in a day In time stands still for no one they say Yes, you will pass the same way Dance. We smoke the hookah and dance. Confusion, great prophecy. Fall now to their knee. Watch their palms bleed. Dance. We smoke the hookah and dance. We smoke the hookah and dance. time of man-made disease fall like leaves from the trees now there's only frozen streams dance now so why don't you dance now so why don't you dance now we smoke the hookah and dance black 
minority who hasn't suffered or cried Living in a land where freedom calls dance We smoke the hookah and dance We smoke the hookah and dance Talk Story Radio Network. Hey, this is Sharp Moe on the Wall, and you're listening to Swirl. And bring it home. Welcome back to Swirl on the Talk Story Radio Network. And uh, our phone uh, looks like it signed us off, man, so we're going to do this again. <laughs> so we can call our guests. Yeah, man, I tell you what, technology. Mm. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the password is now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there we go. This should do it. We're going to give Andrew Peterson a call here, and uh, let's see. We'll make sure we're still hooked up to here first. Uh, yeah, we're still good there. All right, let's do this. So tell me one thing real quick. Uh, did you get to go on all the rides you wanted to go on? No. Didn't get to go on all of them. Uh, we're talking about Magic Mountain here. Yeah. Uh, didn't get to go on all of them, but almost all. I think uh, – I'm trying to think. I think we missed two that we wanted to go on. The Superman ride and the Colossus, yeah. they've reinvented. Remember, it used to be a wooden one. Right. It's a wooden one with r- – Steel rails that does all this twisting. This is Andy. Great. Let's. Uh, we like to welcome Andrew Peterson to the show, and uh, it's just a second time having him on the show, and we're definitely happy to have him on. He's got a new book out, but those of you who do know him know uh, that he is the author of the uh, Nathan McBride series. And those of you who don't know him, Andrew was born and raised in San Diego, California. He attended La Jolla High School before enrolling University of Oklahoma, where he earned a bachelor's degree in science de- and a science a bachelor of science degree in, uh, in architecture. Uh, he's written, well, in this series, he's written five books. The first one is First to Kill, then Forced to Kill, Option to Kill, Ready to Kill, and newly released just yesterday, Contract to Kill. Welcome back to the show, Andrew. 
Thank you, Keith. It's great to be here. It's always a pleasure to have you on. And let me tell you, I want to thank you for the pleasure of having the opportunity to read uh, Contract to Kill just a little early prior to release. And I just so was just so excited about having that opportunity. And, of course, you delivered as always. And, you know, I don't know how you do it. Uh, you know, you, I'm not going to let anything out in the thing. So I know we, we have Toby is, is, is a big part of this book. And, I remember Toby, you know, I believe he was in the first book, and it was just a small little part, and who would have thought he'd ever, he'd ever return? And, and, and things like that uh, I always find really interesting in your writing. Well, thanks. I, I, I thought I would tie him in. He was an interesting character when I created him, this big guy that, you know, people kind of misconstrue when they first see him. and Because um, Nathan kind of has a little of that going, too. They're both very big men, and yeah. I thought it might nice tie in. It was uh, it, it was great and uh, and I like the fact that uh, people come and go that uh, and and it's it's written you, you write in such a way that if if someone has not read all the other books it's not a big deal they can jump right in but for people who have read all the other books I think it's it's pretty cool to see uh, you know see references to like Jin and and, and see Toby being a, and, and Mara being a part of this book. Um, I just want to tell you one thing for, for that I really enjoy. Um, I you know I, I think I told you before I had a lot of law enforcement experience, and, and a lot of times I read these books and and you know the, the terminology's not there, or the the procedures not there, and I don't know um, where you get all your all your technical advice from or, or how you do it, but you're always spot on, and I really appreciate that. Oh well, thank you. I you know I, I try to try to be accurate. I've got a police officer friend down in San Diego, me with some stuff, uh, and um, it's it's it, yeah, it, one of the, it's one of those things that you try to be as accurate as you can. But but as you know, I never did that as a living like you did. So I found to screw up every once in a while. And I hope it isn't so big that everybody sees it and goes, "Oh, that didn't happen," you know. But I I really appreciate that. And I, and while we're on that subject, thank you, uh, Keith, for your service. I, I, from what I understand, you did some pretty gnarly stuff that uh, you, you know that I would only write about. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you guys, what you guys do is equally as dangerous as what happens overseas. Uh, so I, you, you wrote a, a thank you from all of us. Thank you. When it came to uh, came to the newest book, uh, and, and let me just say, I hope you're working on the follow up already. But uh, when it comes <laughs> to contract to kill. Um, you know, where did you, uh, you know, how did you decide to, to go with with this, you know, with, with this scenario that the, that the book takes on? Well, it's, it, that's a good question. I uh, The answer really lies in my respect and admiration for um, our military and our police and firefighters. A lot of authors, I think, I don't want to say lazily, but I think they kind of maybe take the easy route and tend to vilify the military like make them the bad guys and, and bad police officers. Now I know that those kind of people are out there, but I really don't like doing that. Uh-huh. And I did it in the first book where, you know, two of the two military characters were bad, but the other two, Nate and Harv, were of course very shining. And so I figured, well, how can I, how can I do something, you know, that kind of involves the military, but not, you know, really make our military look bad. And so I thought of, well, why not private military contract? Yeah. They're doing, they're doing just about everything, or in, and in some cases, um, more gnarly stuff than are what our servicemen are, and women are doing over there. So I thought it was a good fit. And, and when I was in Afghanistan on the USO tour, I kind of got a good flavor for what it you know, was like over there, although we never you know, left the presence of 
you know, our armed uh, soldiers. It, it was I wanted to somehow tie that experience into a book. Yeah. Well, I think I think you did a great job with that. I, I like I like all the characters uh, uh, that were, were, were involved in, in this, and and like I told you before, I, I love you know that you mentioned a lot of places that I've been and, and, and areas that I kind of know, uh, and not as well as my, my co-host Peter here because he he lived in San Diego for some time, but I've I've done a lot of visiting down there, and to me, it just makes everything so real. Um, I, I, I'm trying to talk about the book without, uh, and get everybody an idea about the book without giving up anything in the book. Um, but I, I, I think you know you, you you paint a great picture on, on all the, on all the stories that you you've, that I've read that you've written, uh, and and your in your description of things uh, I think is so descriptive and it, and it puts the person right there in, in place. And um, you know and even when you're you know when you're turning the pages. Um, you know, you're kind of you're kind of locked in. You can you can smell it, you can feel it, you can taste it, and I think you do a great job of that. Well, thank you. You know, I have I have been accused of maybe being a little over descriptive in some of my uh, shall we say unfavorable reviews. Oh, <laughs> <all authors. laughs> authors get it. I mean, it just goes with the territory. So um, I, I, it's hard. I think you have to find a balance. You know, how much how much is you know what is over description as opposed to not enough. And I, I try to I try to just instinctually do it without you know I, I know that you don't want to have just talking heads, so you have to give a, a little bit of flavor for you know what what is their environment? Where are these people as they are speaking right now? What are they doing? What does it look like? Right. So there's a balance that you have to find as an author because you can obviously go way overboard on it and then you know not tell enough. You you do uh, uh, you know and I I have seen authors that have have done that uh, and I think we, you know we talked about a, a couple authors before where you know sometimes uh, you know they kind of get real real deep in in, in the technical aspects of a lot of thing and, and and it gets to be a little bit overwhelming but I think I think you do just enough of that I think when you you know when you talk about some of the some of the um, um, you know the shootouts that they have, and, and as far as the reloading goes, and and what weapons they use, I think it's it's, it's just enough for even someone who doesn't is not familiar with all the, the weaponry to kind of understand exactly what's going on. And, and those are things that are happening out there. I mean, those are the things that are happening, and, and explained in a way that everybody understands. And I I, I find it. Uh, somebody keeps trying to call in. Uh, I think I, I think that. Uh, it well, I really... hope it's someone that looks at me favorably. <laughs> Well, we, we won't, we're not going to take any company calls right this minute. We're going to talk to you for a bit, and maybe towards the back half, if, if you want to see if anybody wants to talk, we'll do that. But uh, I think uh, you no, know, on, that, on that subject, yeah. on that subject you brought up, it, it is kind of a balancing act again because I think Hollywood gets it wrong a lot. Have you ever noticed in these movies where the good guys are just shooting constantly and never reloading their weapons? Yes. <laughs> That's not that's not the real world. You can't get away with that in a novel like you can in, in Hollywood. So, you know, it's important for like Nathan. He, he instinctually keeps track of his shots because he wants to know when he's getting low in the magazine. As a police officer, you probably do the same thing. You've been on the practice range. It's just good principle because you want to know when that mag's getting low so you can get one out and get another one in there. Yeah, and you know, and, and speaking of the, the, the you know the shootouts that occur and stuff like that, you know, there's I know there's always a one that kind of lasts you know longer than the rest, but I, I think the time the timing that uh, are involved uh, in these incidents, uh, and I can go back to the the, the one I, I, I 
I'm going to mention scenarios because I don't remember which book they're in. Uh, when uh, when Nathan uh, had Jen's daughter and then uh, he was going to rescue her. Uh, and they had the, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That little yeah. gun battle on the street. You know, and, and even even in this book, you know, these these things that occur like that, your timing is right. They only last a minute or two. They don't last for you know. 30 minutes or whatever. They, may, they might feel like that to the people involved, but a lot of times, a lot of those incidents like that, they're, they're, they're quick. They're over and done with. You're in the middle of the street. There's people around and, you know, and things move on. And I think you do a good job of capturing that. Well, thank you. It's, it's interesting that um, I'm, I'm, I, I am working on book number six as we speak and I'm working on uh, the opening chapter and it's probably a five-minute to six-minute real-time scene mm-hmm. that's turning into like sixty pages. <laughs> There's a lot going on. Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's a, I can tell you, it's a home invasion of somebody who Nathan used to work with, and she's fighting for her life in this thing. And it's just, it's, it's a, it just kept, you know, kept, kept expanding, and you know, all these neat ideas came to me, and so it, it's. But you're right. You can take um, one minute and and really expand it into a very long period of time, especially if you switch POVs, you know, point of view right, and, right. and tell you know part of it from the bad guy and part of it from the good guy. You, you kind of go back and forth. But it's fun. It's really it's really an interesting um, process of writing. And you know, Carla's really helping my wife. She you know she'll she'll give me feedback. You know, yeah. if I've gone a little overboard or haven't given enough. That kind of stuff. It's really useful. And she's not gonna she's not gonna pump you up. She's gonna tell like it is, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no uh, yeah, there's no yes and uh, associated with Carla at all. And, uh, yeah, she'll tell me uh, where to go and then meet me there. So, yeah. Uh, uh, now, without giving anything away, uh, you, you had uh, you had Stone uh, Nate's dad get involved uh, in, in something a little bit beyond what we've seen in the past. Uh, what, 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 brought, what made you think? What made you decide to do that? Well, it's really interesting. My publisher, uh, my editor at Thomas and Mercer, Alan Turkus, uh, just a really good guy, fantastic man to work with. He really liked the father-son dynamic of Nathan and his father stone and he really wanted me to explore that in a book you know and see where it went and so that was kind of the the what if scenario that i came up with for this story was what if you know they had this tension going on between them which has been present in some of the previous books but we really brought it to a head in this latest one and i think i hope that people find that interesting um it's kind of the same dynamic that a mother-daughter might have you know you you they're you know your family, but you're not always going to agree on things. Right. So that that makes for good conflict and tension. I think. When um, God, I forgot. I had, I had another thing here. Uh, Peter, you get anything real quick? <laughs> One of the things I do want to say is, is, is even though I, I just finished reading the book, I, I had to go to Ottawa because I got to hear, uh, you know, <laughs> I got to hear oh, uh, Dick. Dick Hill. He's, he's Dick the best Hill? of the business, oh. man. <laughs> he, he's, he is just amazing. I, I, I was going to plug him if we didn't talk about that. He is absolutely an amazing audiobook narrator. I, I, I'm just blown away by how much emotion he brings into a story. Yeah, he does, and I and I'm looking forward to, to listening to it now um, because you know he not only does he he bring great emotion to the story he I think he uh, he put, he really paints 
your words, you know, in, in, a, in a sense, to, to also put you in the same place. And that's one of the things I'm interested in, in seeing is, um, you know, I've listened to him on, on all the books so far, but, you know, you know reading this one first, um, I want to see if it, if it still comes across the way that, that I felt about it, which I'm sure it will because he's so good. Uh, and he and he does so many uh, you know he does so many distinctive voices, and I think when I was reading it, I was actually hearing his voice lots of times. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I'm going to share a trade secret with you, um, and I don't know if I mentioned this last time I was on the radio with you, but I write my manuscript with his narration in mind. Ah. What I what I mean by that is when I'm writing, I say, "Is this going to sound okay with Dick Hill reading it?" Yeah. And if it isn't, I change it. I think it's going to sound corny, or if it's going to sound ridiculous or over the top, I guess they, I, he is my litmus test, yeah. literally, for writing. And he knows that, and we're friends, and we, we, you know, we talk. But he, he literally guides me as a writer because I'm hearing him as I write. Nice. And I, I heard him as I read, <laughs> as I read this one. Yeah, which was amazing. Which, yeah, it's interesting that you just mentioned that because that was the next question I was going to ask. If if you actually, I don't know how I don't know how the, the the audio portion of a book works. I don't know if you actually met him, if you talked to him, if you discussed things with him, or they just give him the the the, the book and tell him to have at it. Well, I tell Dick that he's got carte blanche. He can do whatever he wants. Um, he will occasionally call me up and ask me about an acronym. Oh, do you want it spelled out or do you want it spoken? Um, he actually caught a mistake in, in the in the uh, in the manuscript. I referred to a twenty-two long range, and it should have been long rifle. You know, yeah. twenty-two round is a long rifle round. It's not a long range round. Yeah. <laughs> we caught it. We caught it in time for the ebook, but there's going to be some of the uh, trade paperbacks that go out there with that error. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I'm, I'm going to hear about it. You know, it just. <laughs> You realize the young man called it a long rifle and not a long range. You apologize and say, "Well, I'm sorry, we got it wrong, but we fixed it." Yeah. No, he's, he, it's amazing because when you think of when he's cutting um, uh, narration, if I make a typo, he has to stop and start over. Yeah. You know, unless he can figure out what it why I was trying to say and what's actually there. So we try to get him a pretty good product. You know, when he sees it. When you. Uh... You know, when you finish this one, and uh, you know the, I know the anticipation. You know, you're not you're not new to this business anymore. But, but uh, are you still excited about the release date? Do you still get uh, you know get you know geared up or keyed up and waiting for the the reviews to come in or the the fans to go out there and get it? Uh, what's what's the night before like before it's released? I'm a I'm a nervous wreck. I, I you know. <laughs> And I tell you, it's, Keith, it's really because I know the story so well. You know, when I'm finished with my novel, I know that story very, very well. Nothing surprises me in it. Right. You know, there's nothing surprising about it. And so I think, oh, God, is this boring? Are people going to find this as dull as I'm, you know, working on it now? It's, and it's only, and then I have to stop back, well, no, these people are really making the first pass for it. They have no idea what, what's going on in it. And so, you know, my editor is really helpful, Thomas Mercer. He helps me get through that hurdle. But that's really my biggest worry is that, People are going to find it um, not as interesting. But he reminds me that, again, people are reading it for the first time, and because you know your story so well, it isn't going to come across as interesting to you. I guess when I'm done with this thing, I'm so tired of it. I right. really want to move on. Yeah, exactly. Do you, um, you know, we, we talk to musicians and, and, and writers and, and people that are in, in the creative industry. Um, 
you know, do you do you get do you get wrapped up in in reviews from reviewers, or you know, is it more important with 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 your real fans believe in, or is it a combination of both? Well, reviews kind of go both ways. Sometimes you can get some good information from reviews. Um, on early in my career, when I was writing First to Kill, before I was uh, a Thomas and Mercer authorized with Dorchester, New York, and the first original version of my book came out in mass market paperback. And it had a little more colorful language in it than, you know, so I toned it down. And I got some reviews that said, you know, you really got a little bit too much. So I took some of the profanity out, and that really helped me a lot. So that was one of the positive aspects of, you know, you know reading your reviews. But, you know, a lot of them you can't – I think some of them, Keith, are trying to inflict emotional damage. <laughs> they are oh, man, they're bad. But then again, you know, the good ones are equally as, as rewarding to read, so – I think you just have to take it, you know, for what they are. It's not going to agree with everybody. Right. Um, but the ones that bother me the most are the ones that say, well, it was an awfully violent book, you know. And I said, well, what is the title of it? Um, <laughs> read the, you know, read the cover copy. There's going to be people dying. <laughs> yeah, you had a clue before you turned the page. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, walking out of that James Bond movie, you know, that was really kind of violent. I was yeah. a little surprised. You just have to. Um, I, I tend to read. I, I don't read all of them, but I just like to get a feel on you know our, how are people reacting to it because it can be useful. Yeah, I always I always ask because I always wonder. I, I read a quote from uh, an actor uh, not too long ago, and I don't remember who it was, but it was one of the what they call A listers, and who said, I, I, "I don't I don't read reviews because I'm never as good as they say I am, and I'm never as bad as they say I am." <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's really well said. Yeah. I think that's yeah, that's really, really well said. Uh, hard to disagree with that. When you, um, you know, when when you sit down and, and you have your process, you, you know, like you said, you already started on, on the next one. <coughs> Excuse me. And I think I've asked you this before. Do you do you storyboard things, or do you just start writing and, and let it flow? Uh, you know, like a stream of consciousness kind of thing. Uh, what's kind of your process for for getting going on on your novels? Well, generally, I know the beginning. I know how I want the book to start, which is always with an inciting incident. Yeah. And sometimes it's in the past and sometimes it's present. But there's usually something that happens, a key incident, and that triggers a chain of events that carry through the story. And I do know the endings. I must say I always know how my books are going to end because writing them, are, it makes me gear toward that ending. So I, every word that I write, every chapter, every sentence really is going to be focused toward that big climactic ending. So I would say I don't always know the middle of the book as well as the beginning and the end, but I do know those two parts of it. I think as an author, it's, it's important for me. That's part of my process. Now, I do know authors that don't know anything about their books when they start writing. I, I honestly don't know how that's possible, but they just start writing and it takes them where it takes them. Huh. <laughs> I, so, I can't imagine. It's like if you're if you're planning to go to Miami, you kind of want to dress for that and not end up in Antarctica. <laughs> I was going to so, say, it sounds like sounds like a lot of rewrites going on in those, in those scenarios. <laughs> you know, it, it could be, um, but it, it, to, to me, it just helps to know those two key things: the beginning and the end. Yeah. One of the things uh, I was worried about a little bit, and, and I think uh, you know, you kind of changed my mind on that based on uh, 
the the last part of, uh, with uh, with Stone and, and um, I forget the other guy's name starts with a B. I was thinking, you know, Harvey and Harvey and Nate are getting up there in age. Are they going to be like how long? How long can they continue this? Uh, you know, this this kind of work. But uh, looks like they could push it a little bit. You know, another forty years, maybe. Well, I think they're mid forties, uh, mid to upper forties. You know, yeah. somewhere around forty five, forty six. The good thing about fiction is you can keep them young. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can have maybe just a few months between each story. Yeah. You know, chronologically, it's a, it's a year. I, I do about a book a year. Yeah. But, you know, then there's always the past. We could always dive into their past, like one of their past missions in South America or, you know, uh, in Russia somewhere, which would be an interesting, you know, like do a do a book when they were 20 years younger. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's true. You, you do have to realize that, you know, physically they can't, you know, they're not quite in their 20s anymore. So, they you know, they're very great shape, both of them, but they're not as, you know, they're not Navy SEALs anymore. Yeah. So they have to, you know, and that, that, that helps – and it actually kind of complicates the story a little bit, uh, makes makes their job a little bit harder. It does, and uh, but uh, I think they, uh, you know, you kind of they discuss it and, and they and they and they kind of reference things sometimes, and, and I think they handle it well. And and, and the, the fact that they, uh, you have them, uh, they think they think things out. They think things out. They don't. They never run into anything without without a, a few minutes of this, of planning. And you know whether it's extensive planning or just a few minutes they you know they've worked together so long they know each other's thoughts and and when to speak and when not to speak and i think they they lay out good plans yeah thank you it's they are kind of a team they're not they're not a sidekick harvey uh, never a sidekick and i don't really like that term for for this particular uh, you know they are almost equal partners and now granted we're in nathan's head most of the time but but harvey really an interesting character to me because he's kind of like the the conscience of Nathan on the side there. He's you know he's very grounded and Nathan tends to be a little hot headed, impulsive. Where Harvey's no, oh, let's let's think about this. Nathan <laughs> wants to go in guns blazing. Harvey's going well, you know, let's think about that. <laughs> yeah, they, I think they they complement each other well, and you know, and there are times when when Nathan really needs his guidance. Yeah, and, and so that's you know. It, it, it's uh, once again, it's kind of a balancing act. You don't want to get too much into that mushy stuff, but they, you can kind of tell that they, they really care about each other a lot. They've been through an awful lot together. The uh, uh, um, I keep getting distracted with this incoming call. We never get people calling <laughs> during an interview. This is a, this is weird because um, we don't even put this number out. Though uh, one of the things that I, I always. Uh, I always find interesting, and, and you referenced it a couple times, and it creeps me out a whole lot. Is is that whole scene? Uh, it's it's been in the book, you know. When we when we go back to Nicaragua and the, with the moths. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, the moths. Oh gosh. How did you? I mean, did you hear a story? That's something that was creeping around in your head, or how did that come about? I don't know. I don't really, honestly, I don't know where that came from. I just thought it would be a really unique way to torment a guy. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure it is. <laughs> I, you know, and it's just, it, it's so benign, you know, when you think about it. But um, as all things, when, you know, the, I, I don't know if you wanted to describe to the readers what happened or your listeners what happened, but it was, it was yeah. one of those inventive things that, it just—it is kind of creepy because <laughs> a moth. If you think about it, it's a very benign, you know, creature. It doesn't really have, you know, it's not like a bee or a wasp or anything. So. What happens, Peter, is uh, uh, 
when this is, goes back, you know, when Nate was on a, a mission in Nicaragua, and he'd been captured and he's been tortured, and then he thought that the torture was over with because the guy left him, uh, you know, kind of tied up with a light shining on him, and uh, and bottom line is, for hours, hundreds of moths just keep flying on, landing on his face, and sucking on the this blood that's yeah. cuts and stuff like that. <laughs> and it just every time I read it, I, I just it's just one of those things that just kind of kind of really good freaks me out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, too, you kind of think about being buried up to your neck and somebody pouring some, you know, um, you know, honey on you for the end. Yeah, <laughs> it was kind of a kind of a variation of that very grotesque uh, visual, but just you know, in a creative way. Um, yeah, you know, you have to really wonder. Um, I don't know what's wrong with me. Where do I come up with this? <laughs> it's it's great. It's it's great, and it makes it it makes it a you know it makes it a, such a situation where uh, I, I like when you you know when you reference back to things like that, and, and it kind of you know humanizes uh, you know each one of the characters, and you kind of gives you a little background on on those characters, and, and you kind of know where they're coming from, and, and why they think certain things and act a certain way, and and you know they they do have a lot of history together. They have a lot of history going back for many many years, and and you know it kind of explains a lot of things. And I think uh, you know if somebody's being tortured, there's different ways of being tortured, and and that's just one of the ones that one of the things that happened in that one. And I, I just you know I find it all interesting reading. Well, thank you. It, that's that's the goal really is to is to to entertain the reader, and so it, it's there's a lot of different ways to do that, and I try to to be unique. In, in my writer's voice to, to create a scene or a world in which the, the reader can relate to but kind of feels empathy toward the main character and wants, wants him to overcome these obstacles that are going to constantly be with him. He will never, ever get over what happened to him, but he's dealing with it the best way he can. Yeah. And I, I um, you know, he's definitely a PTSD guy, um, but he's, he's kind of taken the opinion, you know, it happened, get over it, you know. And not everyone can do that, but he's doing the best he can. We got a we got a question from you coming off our Facebook page that uh, Jan wants to know um, about the uh, movie release of First to Kill. <laughs> you know, I wish uh, we've got um, it's dropping right now, um, so it's there's no concrete date on it, and nobody's really stepped up to the plate. It, takes a lot of money to produce a movie or a television series. And so, you know, producers, they have to get really in love with it before they're willing to spend 50 or $60 million on it. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things that if it happens, it would be great. Um, but it's not something I, you know, I kind of hold my breath on. It's, I, I think it'd be terrific for a movie. His character is really interesting. But there's a lot of competition, you know, a lot of authors, a lot of uh, interesting characters out there. Well, I mean, based on some of the stuff they greenlight these days, man, I, I, I see I see where you should be at the top of the list on a lot of these things. Uh, you know, a lot of these movies that, that come out and, and they spend a ton of money on the budgets so are just, I, I don't know, I didn't read the books, but I've seen the movies and I'm thinking, well, that was a waste of my time. A few hours I'll never get back. And, and, and you know, based on, based on your books, I, I mean, I could see where these, uh, you know, these could go a long way and, and, and do real well on, on the big screen. Well, I'd like to think so. I, I think a lot of authors feel like I do that, that their characters would be good figures or big action heroes for novels, you know, especially in the thriller genre. Yeah. But you know, like I say, it's kind of a it, it may be more of a of, of a luck than anything else that happens to land on the right guy's desk at the right time when he's looking for exactly that kind of a movie and says, "Oh, 
you know, let's explore it and try to get a writer going in a screenplay and then see if we can get some actors attached and then, you know, you're off and running. Yeah. But the development money is, uh, is, is the hardest money to get, you know, that, 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 that few million dollars up front to, to do the studies and, you know, figure out if it'll work. That's the hardest part of it. What, you know, what, I'm always hopeful. You never know. <laughs> what is that? What is, what is I mean, you, you, you talked about a lot about it, right, the process just now, but, you know, I, I hear stories where they'll say uh, this actor or this producer, you know, bought the uh, bought the rights to a book. Are you, you know, yeah, yeah. Okay. bought the rights to this book or that book. Um, does it? And then sometimes you'll see where the the author of the book participated in the screenplay, and lots of times you see where they had nothing to do with the screenplay. Is is it that an individual thing, or is it done by the? Uh, is that decision made by the author? Is it made by the the studio, or what? Well, it, it it depends. It can be if the author's got a big enough name, say like Lee Child, where he did the Jack Reacher movie, and Lee Child actually made a cameo in that movie. I think he was in the police station and handed uh, Tom Cruise a toothbrush, as I remember. <laughs> it's kind of a kind of a cool scene. I think he was like one of the night watch cops or something. But it depends. Um, I would like to have some say, you know, at least in the dialogue part of the movie. I, I would want Nathan to be true to form with how he speaks. Right. You know, um, his appearance can be can vary a little bit. You want to have him fairly big. You don't want to have him really kind of a small actor. But Oh, like they did with Lee Child? With Jack Reacher? I mean. <laughs> Bradley, Bradley Cooper would be a really good Nathan McBride. I just, I just got that instinctual feeling about him. But, yes. you know, it's hard it's hard to put a face to it to somebody you know that has been faceless, and and I know that the, the recent cover actually shows a little bit of a three quarter from behind shot, so it kind of gives a little bit of delineation there. Yeah, it hasn't been present in any of the other covers. You know, uh, Peter, you know, he was talking about the actor. See, this reference in the Lee Child book, Jack Reacher, he's a big guy too. And you know who played mm-hmm. Jack Reacher? Was that uh, Tom Cruise? Tom Cruise. And I've seen him standing in this group of people, and he's like one of the smaller guys. I was like, wait, he should be towering over people. This doesn't work. <laughs> well, it was it was kind of funny. Lee's a, a friend. I, I know him. Yeah, I wouldn't say I know him very well, but we're, we're, we know each other. We've chatted. And, and he was at a... You put your name in his book. <laughs> yeah, well, he did. Uh, yeah, it was 61 hours. He did exactly. a, a deputy... Chief of police, I think. You and died. I got you shot. Yeah. You know, I thought I was going to get like you know the great role. It's okay. But he was talking in this interview, and he said, "Well, you know, people that have read the books probably won't relate to the movie as strongly as people that haven't read the books." And I get what he's saying on that. So. I thought Tom Cruise really did a pretty good job. I thought he was, he sold, I mean, I thought he, I thought he made a pretty good reacher. You know, if you can put the size aside, the acting was, was good. Well, yeah, I, as I always say, you know, Tom Cruise puts asses in the seats. Uh, he did a good job. He just, oh. he just wasn't the right size. And, you know, for somebody who, you know, has read all those books, uh, you know, that was the first thing I noticed. Uh, like, he's not big enough. But as far as, you know, handling himself, and, and he knows how to handle weapons. He knows how to do the action stuff. So, yeah, he did a good job. Uh, I, I thought, they're, you know, uh, they do change, you know, the, the, they change a little things. They, they kind of, uh, with that movie, it seems like they combine characters um, but you know, I, everybody, you gotta, I, you know, you gotta realize you're, you're reaching the mass audience and that's not necessarily those who've read all the books. So sometimes 
things are going to change, and, and, and I understand that. But the size thing was the one thing that I noticed. It was glaring to me. But, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. you know what? You can, if Tom Cruise is in the movie, you're probably going to lead the uh, lead the weekend box office. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm, I'm also friends with Kathy Wright. She's become a really good friend, the author of Bones. Uh-huh. And Tempe, uh, you know, is very different in the television series than she is in the books. And Kathy talks about that, that they're, they're just, they're different. The readers want a certain Tempe and the, you know, the show has a different one. So, it, it, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because I think the readers can kind of separate the two. At least, at least Kathy thinks they can. And I, I think they do. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think so on the long run. Absolutely. What uh, I've noticed on Facebook, you're running some, uh, some contests and you got some giveaways. Tell, tell our audience a little bit about that. Well, we're trying to get people to interact on Facebook, you know, so, you know, we, we've got some uh, uh, giveaways going where we've, we've I, I had these uh, really neat uh, art prints uh, uh, made up for, I had a, I met a digital artist at the RT Book Lovers uh, Conference, and he does digital artwork, and so I, I thought it'd be cool to have him work up a sniper of, you know, ghillie suit, you know, preparing for a shot in this jungle environment. And so he did that for me, and, and we made some, you know, a limited edition prints of that. So we're giving those away, and we're giving away some signed books. It, I think it's just a way to try to get people engaged. Yeah. And we're talking, you know, most recently about a blog. I, 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 I linked a blog that I had done about my early writing career, about some of the hurdles I had to overcome to get to get here. And so I've been talking to, to uh, you know, people about that it's, i think it's just a way to interact with folks get to get to know me in a way that they can't otherwise you know um that's interesting you just mentioned about your blog i mean if you're if you're talking to some some uh, some writers young or, or newer writers not necessarily young in age but newer writers uh what, what advice would you give them i mean I, I, you know it's one of those i know people who've sent out uh where some of us sitting here have sent out manuscripts to people and and uh and, and screenplays and whatnot and you, you wait and you wait and wait and you get that that form letter that says hey thanks but no thanks um but uh you know I, everybody goes through you know everybody goes through uh you know their times uh, trying to make it in, in this type of business uh what advice would you have for somebody who's trying to who's trying to break in well you know that's an easy question to answer because it, it really has to do with going to conferences so if you are a writer say in los angeles area you know there's a los angeles writers conference um, the, um and so you can you know, I think they I think they do it in Long Beach or somewhere. And what what you learn at writers conferences is that you meet a lot of people in the industry, agents and editors and other authors, and and the workshops. And so you learn all the tricks of the trade. If you're writing in a vacuum and you're not really out there, you know, interacting with professionals, then you really aren't. You know, you could be doing everything wrong, and you may not know it. Right. So there are certain ways. There's certain ways to query an editor that'll give you a much better chance or an agent that gives you a much better chance if you didn't attend the class on how do you query an agent? How do you get their attention in the letter? You've got 30 seconds, you know, for them to read you. What keeps them from just throwing you to the side and what keeps them from, you know, emailing you asking for more? So those are the kind of things that you can learn at conferences. Look at that. You guys just got a little free one there. That's, I mean, you know, that's a consultant fee he should be getting for that. So take that <laughs> and use that. <laughs> you know, I, I love helping people. I, I go to conferences. I teach at one down in La Jolla in November. Um, and it's, it's just a way for me to kind of pay back what I've learned. Ridley Pearson helped me early in my career. A lot of folks have. And I just, 
feel like it's a pay it forward type of thing. Because I know what it's like on the outside when you're trying to break in and become an author. It's it's tough. It's really disheartening at times. Yeah. Because you get you do get a lot of rejection, and you just have to work through it. Keep going. One of the things, uh, you know what, Andrew? I'm going to take this call real quick and see if it's somebody who wants to chat with you. Oh, they just hung up. So, oh, there you are. There you go. Good to your wife. Hello, you're on Swoops Road Radio. Hey, Keith. This is Carla. How are you? Uh, hi. How are you doing? I, I've been hanging up by Carla all night. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> well, I, I, I have to confess, you are speaking to my wife right now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we have to keep it clean, everybody, all right? All right. <laughs> well, thanks for calling in, Carla. Hey, no problem. I enjoyed your show the last time you did it, and I thought, oh, maybe I'll surprise Andy and just call in. Well, I, I, yeah, I was telling him, I said, somebody keeps calling in, and we don't normally get calls, so I kept hanging. I said, well, finally, if we get to the second half of the interview, I, if they call in, I'll answer. So uh, thank you for hanging in there. And, and, uh, and, and you know what? He was saying uh, that, you know, you you kind of give him the, the straight scoop uh, when you, when you hand you a, a chapter or two, and and you're doing a great job because I, I have to admit I love all of his books. Well, thank you. I think he does an awesome job. He he works harder than anybody I know, and I don't think anybody can say that lightly but me because I'm here with him every day, and he puts his heart and soul into that work. That's that's awesome. And uh, now there's a character named Carla in the book this time around, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> I think he put his mother in a similar role in another title. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting well, how he portrays uh, the women in this life. Huh? <laughs> 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 yeah. It's kind of funny because we do get acquaintances that will say, when am I going to be in a book? And I said, oh, you got to be careful what you wish for. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Carl. I appreciate it. Thanks for the kind words. All right. You take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, well, she is persistent. I'll give her that. <laughs> well, that was, that was great. And, uh, you know, uh, Andrew, like we, like I just said, I, we got yeah, time just flies. We tried to cover so much, uh, and uh, I still want to get your, uh, your website and everything out there, but was there anything else you want to chat about that we have yet to talk about? No, it's just that I think there's a book in you. I mean, you've done so much for the police department. I mean, I, from what I understand, you've done some really, really crazy, gnarly, dangerous stuff. So, you know, if you ever decide you want to pursue that, I'll I'll be here to help you with it. You just you just give me the word. I'm yours. I appreciate that. I, I've had a few people, uh, you know, every once in a while I, uh, I loosen up and tell a few stories, and people say, you need to write that down. I say, yeah. I, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind telling the story. I just don't know how to. I don't know how to put it down. And because, as Peter and I could tell you, we we we've tried to. Uh, like you said, we haven't been any conferences, but you know, we we've done some screenplays and stuff, and a couple of them had a, a few incidents in. And uh, uh, you know, it's it's it's, it's probably a, a learning process. But yeah, I will definitely have to talk to you about that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. You what? Conferences are the way to go. You, I can't stress it enough. You really you get encouragement. You meet people. 
you meet agents and editors and other authors. It's just a really good way to network. And, and uh, um, you know, crime fiction is really big. People like reading about. I mean, look at all the television shows that involve police. It's 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 a big it's a big industry, and there's a lot of room for it. So you, there's. You just have to really want it badly. You got to work really, really hard at it. Yeah, well, that's that's not a problem. So I will. Uh, I, yeah. I, I might have to call you on that one. <laughs> oh, you know, you you have my number, and you may call. Well, thank you. Your website is andrewpeterson.com, and you can go there. You can also find uh, your Twitter and your uh, Facebook links on that. Andy, uh, as always, man, it's such a pleasure to have a chance to talk to you. It's a pleasure reading your work, and uh, you know, much uh, much. Luck on this on the latest one, and I hope it uh, I hope it it goes big like the rest of them, and and you know with Dick Hill there and those and then the books out there, I, I'm sure it will. It's a great story and, and it's a great read, and it's a you know it's a page turner. I couldn't put it down. Thank you. I really appreciated talking to you guys. You're, you're a lot of fun, and uh, I was listening to your pre show, so you guys are you guys are interested. <laughs> Well, we don't have an editor telling us uh, to cut back on the language, so we can do a little more. Yeah, it makes me want to run out and go to Magic Mountain is what it does. <laughs> well, well, thanks, Andy, and we will talk to you soon, brother. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. Right. Take care. Best of luck. Andrew okay. Peterson, uh, check out his new book, Con- Contract to Kill, and uh, you're going to love it. Uh, it's on Audible. It's a uh, hardback versions out there. Go to his website, andrewpeterson.com. You can find out all you need to know about that. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, we're getting close to our time for Brewskies. Of course, T-Bone's time out. AD will be in, uh, on the phone here in a little bit. We're talking to him. So plenty of show left, but uh, follow uh, at, Andrew, at, at Andrew Peterson Novels on, t- on uh, Twitter and uh, check it out. Great book. This is It's Okay. This is Infinity. Back after this.
And now we have an eight-year-old on the line. Welcome to our world today. What's your question? Our continents make up 29% of the Earth's surface, meaning that 71% is comprised of water. Man automatically adapts to environmental conditions. So why do I need to take swimming lessons? Are you ready for kids who eat healthy? Good nutrition can lead to great things. To find out how a healthy lifestyle can help your child succeed, go to MyPyramid.gov. Brought to you by the Ad Council and USDA. For a little ride. Now you can share the topics that drive the discussions of your favorite talk shows with TalkStream Live's topic-driven talk radio. We gotta talk. Let's take a drive. List and promote real-time talk radio topics or post the topics that you want to hear. Hot topics are tweeted and retweeted and include simple click-to-listen audio links. The future of talk radio is topic-driven talk radio. That's what I call real drive. Available now at TalkStreamLive.com. Talk Story Radio. Hi, y'all. We're the Black Whiskey Union. My name's Britt. I'm Jim. Wessie. And you're listening to Swoop's World. It's one of our favorite radio stations, so keep listening, y'all. Whoopee. Welcome back to Swoops on the Talk Star Radio Network. We're about a couple minutes shy of our brewski beer tasting. T-Bone's not here yet. He might miss out. Uh, Peter, you got a quote. Uh, we were talking to, we were talking yeah. to and, Andy about... Uh, we were talking to Andrew Peterson, our guest tonight. Yeah. Uh, th- there was a question uh, Swoop asked him about, uh, so I hope he's still listening, because I couldn't pull this up fast enough. <laughs> it was there in the back of my mind, but I couldn't get it. I wanted it. to get it right. And I wanted to get it right, because it's... Uh, oh, shoot, now it's gone. Uh, <laughs> there it is. There it is. The red. The red track. Right there it is. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I, and I wanted to get it right because if you don't get it right, it doesn't sound right. And it is a quote from Hemingway, and we were so Swoop had asked some question about uh, about critics, and so here's what Hemingway, Ernest Hemingway, had to say about critics. He said, "Critics are men who watch a battle from a high place, then come down and shoot the survivors." <laughs> so hopefully Andrew's still listening, uh, and uh, you know he takes that for exactly what it's worth. I mean, those guys, you know, he, Andrew's putting his heart and soul out there and, and putting out. Uh, uh, literature, piece of work, art from this, you know, and uh, the critics are just going to come down. Don't give them too much attention, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, yeah, as we all know, Hemingway was not shy about uh, his feelings in these types of matters. So, uh, anyhow, I wanted to get that out there, and I, I wish I could have remembered it, recalled it, like, so I could have interjected it into the actual conversation, but... Uh, Right. Better late than never. Better late than never. Right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, like I said, I, you know what? We one of the things we do here is, is we uh, we state our opinions. We're not afraid to uh, state our opinions. And uh, full disclosure, I love his books. I love him as a writer. I love his art, and I love interviewing him. And uh, th- this one is, is 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 a really good book. And uh, check it out. It's called Contract to Kill. And uh, we say if we don't like it, like we do our beer tasting. We like it, we <laughs> like it, we don't, we don't. That's right. And, uh, you know, I've not had a, I've not had an Andrew Peterson book yet that I didn't fully enjoy. And uh, this is, I mean, it's just it's right up there with the rest. And, yeah, check it out. Definitely get it. 
Cool. Matter of fact, uh, we got. Oh well, it's time for brewskis. We'll, we'll give we'll give Timo a minute. How about you do a little yeah. audible.com and if you right. use our free one on uh, on Andy's book. There you go. Audible trial. If you go to audibletrial.com forward slash swoopsworld, uh, you can go and sign up for uh, your first download, which would be free. You might want to check out Andrew Peterson's book if you do that. Any one of his five, right? Five yeah, or six now. Yeah, Is that the sixth now. one? Five. five. All right. He's working on the six. He's already started. That's right. That's right. So um, Audible's where you can download books uh, and listen to them as you, you know, car or as you're in the car, you're working out, you know, you're doing tedious chores and you just need to – or you just want to be lazy and you don't feel like reading a book. Uh, there's mm-hmm. 200 – over 250,000 titles, tons of great – talent uh you were talking about dick hill yeah there's famous actors mm-hmm. uh like uh colin firth. colin firth and there's a woman actress what's her name ah won't come to me but anyhow lots of great actors and actresses lots of great talent just reading these well, books i think i told you i've listened to a couple of adam carolla books adam, uh-huh, uh-huh. books adam does his own uh and, and he doesn't really technically read the book it's, right it's, it's <laughs> actually a, a Getting an Adam Carolla show. Yeah, I mean he'll read it, but then he'll 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 tell you hey, I'm going on a tangent. Here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so over 250,000 titles, lots of great talent. Uh, if you go to audibletrial.com forward slash swoopsworld, then your first book's free, and uh, and the show will earn a few pennies that way. So help us out. That's right. Well, you know, we gave we gave Boner uh, a few extra minutes. Oh, uh, uh, you know that we sound. We're going to uh, go to our Brewski intro. It's time for Brewskis, our beer tasting segment right here at Swoops World Late Night, sponsored by DrinksWineSpirits.com. So grab yourself a glass, pour yourself a brew, and join us right now for Brewskis, sponsored by DrinksWineSpirits.com. Well, happy Wednesday, and... Uh, no, no disrespect to our guest. <laughs> or T Bone. This is the most important part of the show, and we're happy to have you with us. Tonight, we're going to be drinking uh, Sierra Nevada. Sierra Nevada, which I don't think we've ever tasted. We've, we've had t- their beers, we've but never I don't think we've a, a Sierra Nevada tasting. Right. And this, with the whole IPA trend that's going on, especially here in California, um, Sierra Nevada is a little bit late to the party, uh, but they're they're trying hard. And I've tasted their Torpedo, which is a pretty pretty decent beer. Um, and of course, Sierra Nevada, their their Pale Ale is the the one that, as we were saying, is a pretty standard decent beer. If, if you're in that place where, you know, it's Heineken or Sierra Nevada, you, that's a no brainer. So they're good beer. Uh, and they've been fairly successful. And this is their newly developed Hop IPA. So I'm going to read to you what they had to say about their own brew. Uh, our quest for unique hop flavor led us to the Yakima Valley and a handful of newly developed varietals that are cutting e- are so cutting edge they are known only by numbers, 431, 472, yada, yada, yada. goes on for ways. Yeah. These new hops have compelling flavors of vanilla, chocolate, oak, and orange, creating an IPA like we've never tasted before. Drink this IPA fresh and watch for the rest of the series that explores diverse hopping methods, including single hop, fresh hops, wet hops, and wild hops. So this is the Sierra Nevada. Harvest is what it's called, the newly developed Hop IPA. I don't have a 
alcohol content for you. So, but it's just an IPA, so I'm guessing it's in that kind of standard six percent range or so. And um, for those of you not familiar, uh, uh, Sierra Nevada is out of uh, Northern California, and uh, I think it's—I know I've—I've I've had it on the East Coast. I think it's pretty widely uh, available. So, check it out, I Sierra have, Nevada. I have no, no listing on there. On the on the, the percentage. No, I didn't see it. No, I don't either. Some beers do, some beers don't. Oh <sighs> no, there it is, six and a half percent. Kind of an odd spot there. Where'd but you yeah, like right there. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, there it is. Six and a half percent, which is which is standard uh, for a an IPA. So there you go. Ziggy 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 oi oi oi. There you go. I think I started last week, so you're up, buddy. Ah, well, I gotta say that is a magnificent job, hop floral bouquet. It's not. Um, it hasn't got that skunk flavor that we sometimes it's like. It's a little on the sweet side. It's a, it's more on the yeah. It's the, the the smell that is the floral is definitely more the floral side of hops, and that's really nice. I mean, that just these new hops have got some some something there. And when I say sweet, I don't mean like you know, fruity flavors. I mean it's sweeter than the, the what we're used to with, the, with the, the the hoppiness of it. Yeah. yeah. You know, we talk. We've talked about this before. Certain beers, certain breweries have certain styles. Mm-hmm. If you taste a stone, right? There's a certain style. Lagunitas. Lagunitas is like, oh, this is a Lagunitas. Yeah. Well, this falls into that category. I think so this is a definitely a Sierra Nevada. And if you're familiar with the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, I think you're going to recognize that this is one of their brews. Uh, so if you don't like those, then you're probably not going to like this. Right. I, I like them. They're, my, they're not my favorite. Um, and I would say that for an IPA, it's a little on the it's a little on the not hoppy side. It's no. not as hoppy as we like. I, I love the, the floral part of it, and it's got plenty flavor, but it hasn't got quite the, the oomph, the, the bitter that we like. But... For those of you who are maybe not into the super hoppy uh, IPAs, this is right. And I know there's a bunch of people who want some hops, but not like over the top. Right. They're not really hop heads. Um, this is your beer. This is a really good sort of, I would say, middle of the road IPA. Uh, it's lighter in color. Uh, it's bubbly, a bit more so than some of the other IPAs. And while it has plenty of hot flavor, it's just it's not over the top. Uh, so middle of the road IPA. I agree with you. I, I think I think they've done a good job with it, with their offering here. Um, if you're like you said a hophead like we are, uh, you do these flights on Fridays uh, with the wife, and I think you could start off with this. This would be one you start yeah. with, yeah, yeah, a lighter one, not too heavy in body, not too hoppy. Right. Because if you have this after some of our other ones, you're not even going to taste this. Exactly. So, but... That, but it, but, it, but it, it, it can work in the progression. It to definitely work yeah. in the pr- progression. Um, and with it being a bit more milder, it, it also allows certain... You know, it's it's more flexible as far as what you can serve it with as well, too. So there's there's something for that as well. Um, one to ten, ten being best. Um, this, is, this is tough because... You know, I've got to compare it to all my favorites. <laughs> so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to compare it to, like, what a basic IPA should taste like. And I think it's a well-made beer with a decent amount of hops. And I give them credit for kind of finding new stuff and, and then making that new stuff. You know, not just 
Sometimes people say, oh, it's new. We'll throw it in there and make a new beer. It's like, well, that doesn't always work. They, you know, they found some new stuff. They put it in there and they made it work. Uh, pretty good job. So I'm going to give this I'm going to give this a seven. You know, you know, I was thinking the same thing. It's like, well, if I compare it to the, 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 the hoppy hop beers that I, I like in an IPA and stuff like that, it's not going to score as well. Um, but if I compare it to early early flights, you know, if I you know the stuff that we we we've, we've done flights before and what we started off with, you know, it's it's a, it's a good seven, and and I'm going to give them a couple, I'm gonna, I'm going to bump them up a little a little bit. So I'm going to stay in the seven. So math is easy. <laughs> but uh, there's two extra ounces in this. This is uh, two more ounces than a, than a regular bomber. Oh, uh, so uh, you know, I did not realize that. <laughs> Kudos to them. Kudos to them. Exactly. Man. Nice. So, uh, so uh, you know. Uh, it's a, it's a good beer. It's got to count for something. It's got to count for something there, man. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mentioned that you can, you have a lot of choices to eat with something like this. Uh, you, you, yeah. You can you can start off real well. You can do some salads with this. Well, yeah, and you know what? This is the sort of beer where it's – we talk about some of these IPAs. They're just – they're spectacular, but they're a one drink, you know, a one bomber uh, because you couldn't – you just couldn't. As awesome as they are, you just they're too heavy. Right. This is not one of those. This is this is one of those, and this is the knock that a lot of people have, I think, on IPAs is that you can't drink them for long periods of time, which is why people drink the other stuff. Juicy, 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 juicy but this yeah. this beer, this is a beer you could literally drink. It's almost drink. like in the wheat category, as far as not the taste, but right? This body. Yeah. Yeah. Body. Um, exactly. And so it's, it's got flavor. But it's light enough. It's not so dense. You could probably, if you if you're, if you wanted something bigger than say you know a pale ale, uh, if that's say your go to, you want something a little more flavored. This is something you could probably drink a good part of the day with. You know, and 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 as correspondingly, you could start off with your nachos. Right. You know, go to your like. This would go with good with pizzas. It go with pizzas. Yeah. You could throw in some uh, like like a Caesar salad. Mm-hmm. This, if you wanted to stick with beer, this would go with that. Uh, burgers, you know, this is kind of a do everything sort of beer. Um, so kudos Ball, to them. Ballpark beer, ballpark, but good ballpark <laughs> yeah, beer, yeah. right? You know, yeah. Um, I mean, as far as the kind of foods you'd get at a ballpark, yeah, mm-hmm. you could you could sit down with this. This would go nicely, yeah. and and it's it's light enough that and at six and a half percent for right. most people, it's a beer you could again drink. You know, if you're trying to drink, say like 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 ruination at almost ten percent, <laughs> and you're going to drink all day. You're going to be stupid, you know, um, which might be your goal. But if that's not your goal, this is a good beer for that sort of like drink it over a longer period of time. Um, not a bad beer. Uh, I give Sierra Nevada credit because they're sort of like we talked about this a little bit. They're like uh, Sam Adams, yeah. where they were ahead of the curve as far as you know the micro brews or the the changing away from the the yellow fuzzy beer. Uh, these guys were. Yeah, they were way they were, out in front of everyone. Yeah. yeah, much as Sam Adams were, uh, they were always doing ale. Sam Adams was always doing lagers, uh, but they were slow to recognize this change from ales, just as Sam Adams was, to IPAs. And Sam Adams is trying to catch up with that. Now, did Sam Adams get bought out by somebody big? They got. They didn't get bought out, but they got invested in. Ah. Uh, a large investment. Um, so, what's so are they really still a micro brew? Well, <laughs> it'd be more accurate to say they're a macro brew. Yeah, they're not. Yeah. They're not Budweiser by yeah. any stretch of the imagination. Right. 
Uh, but he's they're a, not but micro either. You look at Stone these days. <laughs> and Stone is approaching yeah. what Sam Adams is now. Okay. Uh, so, again, you, you, I don't get too caught up into that uh, as far as if you're making good beer, I, I would drink Coors if it tasted but, good. You know, you know it, what I mean? But it doesn't. It doesn't taste like shit. It tastes like crap. But, but um, it, it, it's kind of like it's kind of like it's kind of like music. People go, you know, oh, I, I really dug them, and now they're they're huge, they're sellouts. Or they're you know they're still playing exactly the same shit. They're just selling out arenas now. <laughs> yeah, and that's got to me. That's got to be the question: Are they still producing a good product? Right. You know, shouldn't. I don't think you should abandon someone just because they're successful. No. Uh, I loved Sam Adams at a time when you could go to a bar and they were the only always get a, yeah. decent uh-huh. beer, right? Yeah. It was like Coors Bud, Sam Adams. You're like, well, that's a no-brainer. And they used to, you know, you might not know because you know, you know, I used to like that, that Sam would, would come out with those seasonal. Those seasonal yeah. Uh, and even some of those were good, yeah. Yeah, you're a big pumpkin. I didn't like their October food. Pumpkin, yeah, pumpkin no. Pumpkin. They, got, they started putting a lot of fruit in it, and I didn't like that. <laughs> but what's interesting is that both Sierra Nevada and Sam Adams, they were way out ahead. They were like the first, you know, uh, put them in with like, with like Anchor Steam as another California brewery who are way out ahead yeah. of this whole movement. And now they're way behind because they did not catch on to this whole change in – that's kind of a the same people thing. that loved them yeah. are loving these new IPAs, and then it seems to have split. You've got you got the larger group that's moved to the IPAs, and then you got the other group that's moved to like the Belgians. And in both cases, Sam Adams, Anchorstein, Sierra Nevada, there's probably other ones, but those are the bigger ones that pop into my mind. Uh, didn't catch on, and they kept making their same brew, which is still a decent brew, but not like for for the people that loved them. They're like, wow. These guys fell behind, and it's a shame. You know, there's you know what they are. These guys are like the Yahoo. But that's business, you know. I, 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 <laughs> and somebody else came along with Google, right? I've some of the some of the audio books I've gotten recently have been, you know, business oriented and stuff like that. And a lot of it, they say, you know, a lot of times the people who come up with the, the great idea or who, you know, it's like like Microsoft and Apple didn't invent the computer. Right. Right. They figure out how to make how to monetize it and put it in every household and become extremely successful with it. You know, they say you know, that's what happens a lot. Like this, you know, these, these you know these first microbrews that came out there had a great like, idea. Like Stone could not exist if, if it had not been for had it not been for Sierra Nevada and great, Anchor Steam yeah, and all and, these great coffee houses out there. You know, you could you could shit on Starbucks all you want, but they made it possible for other people to charge you three dollars for a cup of coffee. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and before uh, that, it was Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. <laughs> or if you lived on the well, Dunkin' Donuts if you lived on the East Coast, and Winchell's if you lived here on the West Coast. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, there's there's people who go out and set the standard, and inevitably, ninety nine percent of the time, they get passed up. And left behind. And, uh, yeah, you know, they, and they, they it's a shame out. because these guys were were a good brewery, and I'm, I'm sure they'll end up surviving. They, they oh, have yeah. their fans. They've been around. For uh, but you like, you know, it's the same when you see someone who who was like ahead of the game, sort of get leapfrog. And it's not like they're getting leapfrogged by other people. They're getting leapfrogged by the same people that <laughs> they appealed to are going. You guys didn't go far enough, <laughs> you know. Um, and that's always been my feeling with Sierra Nevada and, and Sam Adams is like those are two companies that like I was happy to drink in a day where it was like a desert out there as far as yeah. decent brews. Um, 
They just didn't go far enough. They didn't figure out what the green flashes, the stones, the Lagunitas, all those guys figured out. So I'm sure they'll get that. This is a decent brew. Um, and if you like your your IPAs a little tamer but well-made, this is a, this is up your alley. This will be a good one. You know, you look at you know, you know, on that same line, you look at these, I look at these, these beers that I'm dating myself that would, would shoot to the forefront. And where are they now? I remember when Lawnbrow came around, and then you had your uh, your Henry Weinhardt's, and you had your Killian's Red. Right. You know, they they, they came and, and offered something different from the standard Bud Coors, right. you know, whatever. And uh, and everybody jumped on them for a while, and then they just kind of, I don't know, they just went away, right? And like you said, these you have these. One thing it is, I, I think what happened is. is when you had the long brows or those are the killing red and those types of things, you didn't have a lot of people jumping into that category necessarily. Uh, these mi- these micro brews and the IPA, especially here in the West Coast, there's a whole lot of people in those categories doing a whole lot of great things, and I think it's at least that category is here to stay. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it's yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, every week there's a new brewery opening, with, uh, <laughs> some sort of variation or, or spin. Exactly. So. It's here to stay. There you have another edition of Brisky, sponsored by DrinksWineSpirits.com. That's Brisky, sponsored by DrinksWineSpirits.com. Go there, join the Beer Love Club. They'll send you a box of beer each week. Twelve beers, four different breweries, three beers apiece. And you'll help the show out just a little bit. We're going to take a quick break and come back, and we'll be getting Anthony Davis on the line. You're listening to Swoops Row on the Talkstar Radio Network. And what do we got coming up here, Peter? What do you think? Uh, Brett Michelle, I choose. This song is called I Choose. I can see the stars tonight Closer than I ever could They're just not lining up right like my life should Something's wrong When something's always wrong The sky can be clear The sky can be blue And I can sing a cheer Or I can sing the blues I choose I
stars is suddenly alive tonight. I'm in the car next to you on the highway. I sit in front of you on the bus. I'm one out of every six Americans, and I'm struggling with hunger. This isn't an uncontrollable epidemic. There's enough food in this country to feed every hungry person. Please, visit feedingamerica.org today and find your local food bank. Every dollar you donate helps provide seven meals for those around you, quietly struggling with hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We're retired, and this is how we live United. We decided to volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. United Way is how we contribute, because we know our time and money are going to the right places. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. We don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Story Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Hi, I'm Angela Madsen, and I row across oceans, and I've really enjoyed being a guest here at Swoops World. Thanks for having me. And welcome back to Swoops World of the Talk Story Radio Network. It's about time to give our good friend Anthony Davis a call. And let's see if we can get his, uh, where is his? Da-da-da-da-da. There we go. Good evening. We'd like to welcome to the show our colleague, uh, five-time national champion, two-time All-American, who played for USC in football and baseball, as well as in the NFL, and the CFL, and the World Football League. Anthony Davis, back to the show. How you doing, AD? Doing good. Good. Always great to, to chat with you about what's happening in the world of sports, and we're going to jump right into it, man. I got an article here. And uh, it says, <laughs> Geno Smith wasn't better than his backup. This comes off of what they call 538.com. It says, in the most surreal bit of sports news to hit the Tuesday's wires, Geno Smith, the incumbent starting quarterback for the New York Jets, is going to miss six to ten weeks with an injury. And it wasn't just any kind of injury. It was the kind you get when a teammate punches you and breaks your jaw. <laughs> Apparently, uh-huh. the, the newly cut linebacker, Ick, in Inimicapali, a slug smith because he failed to reimburse Inimicapali for a, for a six hundred dollar plane ticket, but they said Jets fans, at least Jets fans in the five thirty eight office, rejoiced because they say his backup, who is uh, what's his name here, 
his backup is better than he is. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, they said that uh, they're looking forward to having him play. Well, did you hear about this incident? And uh, you know, you've been well, in locker locker rooms. What goes on in these locker rooms? Well, for, for first of all, you know, Jets, Jets are revamping their the whole defense and offense, and you really don't know how Gina was going to fit in, or how this other Fitzpatrick going to fit in, or anybody else. So you got to wait and see. But he's definitely knocked out for six to ten weeks or whatever. But in saying that, you know, uh, let me tell you, these locker rooms are there in La La Land. It wasn't like that when I was playing. I mean, you know, first of all, with, with Geno Smith and this other guy did, both of them have been out of football. They'd have been released if they were playing in my day. There's no doubt. That's the way it is. So they'd have been gone. But, but the thing is, the linebacker who got released, he can count his best now because Rex Ryan picked, picked him up today. So he might, every time he walks to that Buffalo facility, he gets on the ground and kisses the marks of Rex Ryan because that would have never happened years ago. He was very fortunate to know that Rex Ryan liked what he was about when he, Rex was with the Jets and, he, and Rex handpicked him. And that's why he's still in football. He is one of the luckiest guys walking to break a franchise quarterback's jaw and then he gets picked up. Obviously, this man, Rex Ryan, knows this guy's character and knows what he can do on the field from a productive standpoint. Okay, now, now when it comes to Geno Smith, he'd have been gone two years ago. Now, the fact that they're keeping him, and the fact that he stiffed this guy for six hundred bucks. Yeah, how does how does a franchise player owe, owe a backup six hundred bucks for a playing? Well, team? first of all, you, you know, if, if you go, even though you had a problem with death in the family, a friend, or whatever, hey, you own up, pay this man. He shouldn't even got the training camp. He should have been paid as soon as that happened. Because he stiffed and stiffed him, he publicized the deal, the camp, and everything else he was doing. And then, first of all, what are Why you doing? Why didn't he have six hundred bucks? Yeah, <laughs> what are you doing stiffing this man six hundred bucks when you make you make enough money to do it? That's no money. That's 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 like buying a, 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 a cup of coffee. He's got that what disaster, right? right. <laughs> what, what, what do you think? And see, let me tell you something. I, I, I can tell you, even though when Gino comes back, that organization, the league, is going to look at that. Because if I'm ownership of the Jets, and I'm general manager of the Jets, hey, buddy, you ain't on my team. You ain't leading my team. You're not even on the team. To let, let your personal business come to this organization that costs us you, and we're paying you whatever we're paying you. You get knocked, you get knocked in the mouth by a guy, which he shouldn't have done. He got assaulted, definitely what it is. But to carry it to the team in the locker room where everybody knows your personal business, that's an off-season deal what happened. Hey, that, that's not even, that's not even NFL business. That's what he, he did between you and him. Yeah. So you brought it into the field to where it costs you and your teammates. Who knows? This system they could turn Geno's career around. So what do you do? You expose your character by taking this man's money and not paying the man's money back, and it carries over to a training camp and everything. What are you thinking about? Hey, did you forget about that you were black quarterback in the National Football? You couldn't even play in the court black quarterback forty years ago. And the fact that these two clowns got into it like that, they don't know their history. They don't know when it was a quota system in the National Football League. They didn't know there was going to be so many blacks that couldn't play in the league. And you're up there demonstrating your ignorance like that on a showcase platform, especially in New York. And especially if you get so scrutinized in New York, I know I was drafted by the Jets. I was almost there. And you, and you carry on like that in New York City? Them people in New York have got no mercy on you. If you screw up something like that, I can hear them now talking. You don't pay this man and you stiff him because of a death in a friend's family? What are you thinking about? Yeah. So, so you know, I know I'm animated tonight, but when I heard this story, 
man, I couldn't believe it. I mean, we're hearing stuff week after week about something. And the sad thing about his brother's doing it. His brother's doing it. Hey, Charles, Haley, where are you? <laughs> Go talk to those knuckleheads. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Here, you're on the birds. You're on the birds. This probably be your last year here in New York based on what everybody has scrutinized your talent about. And you're sitting around here getting some personal stuff, getting your broad joke broken by a guy. And matter of fact, like I said before, he better kiss the ground that Rex Ryan walks on because if it, if it wasn't for Rex Ryan, he's out of football. And Geno Smith, guess what? You're going to have some answers to do when you get back. Even though the league's going to come in with their policy and what happened to you, that's fine. But when you come back, you better come back smoking, brother. Because I can tell you right now, if I'm a general manager, I can tell you what the league, the team's probably thinking. Okay, let's start looking at another player. Let's start looking at the future draft coming up. Let's find out who we can pick up just in case. Because you better think, you better know they're looking at looking at people now. Jess never thought they'd miss Sanchez and Tebow. Hmm. <laughs> I don't think Sanchez. <laughs> I don't think Sanchez is coming back, and and and, and, and Sanchez should be counted as blessings too. Because the kind of money this man has made. You know he took the Jets at two ASF thing, but you know the kind of money he's made, he should be counting his blessings too. Let's, Where else he wouldn't have that kind of money? Let's uh, let's move over to uh, something else here, man. There's, there's so many things to, to, to chat about tonight, and uh, give me just a second. There it is. <clears throat> ESPN's NFL Nation's reporters and ESPN the magazine contributors polled more than 100 players and found a similarity, sense, uh, sensible sense, consensus. While 72% of the respondents believe the Patriots were responsible for lowering air pressure of the footballs, only 16% said that they were upset by it, and 68% said they think other teams do the same thing. Uh, I'm going to give you, I'm, real quick, I'm going to give you the, uh, the, the questions and, and what the percentages were. Here's the complete results of the 13-question survey. Number one, do you think the Patriots deflated footballs? Yes, 72%. No, 28%. Yes or no, I am upset with the Patriots for allegedly deflating footballs. Yes, 16%. No, 84%. Yes or no, I think the Patriots are cheaters. Yes, 42%. No, 58%. Do you think deflated footballs impact the outcome of games? No, 52%. How many games should Tom Brady have been suspended for? Average answer, one and a half. Uh, let's see. With Tom Brady sitting for four games, will the Patriots still make the playoffs? <laughs> yes, 85%. Yes or no? I'm still mad about Spygate. No, 80%. Should player discipline be decided by Roger Goodell? No, 88%. Uh, yes or no? I think other teams illegally tamper with balls. Yes, 68%. What is the most common form of on-field cheating in football? Holding, 55% most popular answer. Last three questions. What is the most outlandish form of cheating you've witnessed in a game? Cheap shots and deliberate injuries. 52% most popular answer. What percentage of players do you think cheat in some way on the field? 30%. Do you think players on your own team cheat? Yes, 29%. No, 71%. We are inundated with the uh, deflate thing. They got, they're going to court now. Uh, Ditka says... Uh, Dickus says he doesn't think Brady should settle. Uh, the players, the, the over, they interviewed more than a hundred players, and the players aren't concerned with it. They don't think it's a big deal. Nobody thinks Goodell should be doling out the punishments. Uh, I don't know if you heard the survey or heard anything about it. What are your thoughts on these things? I just kind of read out. 
Well, first of all, I heard about some of the survey stuff. I know the players overall, we don't think it's a big deal. Everybody messes with the ball. Equipment managers messes with the ball. Let me tell you something. They could have played with a watermelon and beat ball. You know what I'm saying? With the juice coming out of the watermelon. On that given day. But the bottom line, it, 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 it's really about nothing. And the thing that really bothers me more than anything, and when they start throwing, and it's just to show how people and how elitist these guys are, both on the player standpoint and, and, and the commissioner standpoint. Here they go. They don't, they don't waste the $10 million on all this stuff. And he's got people running out here in the street game buying milk for their babies. When they hear stuff like that, $10 million behind a, a, a deflated ball, what, what are these people thinking about? Sure that the players are not going to think, don't care, think it's, it's no big deal. Do some of the guys hold? They hold most of the time in the NFL. You know, how, how are you going to, two, 300 pounds, go against each other and it's not going to be any hole in there? Right. They're going to do all kinds of stuff. So, so, of course, the survey... It was, in my opinion, was, was was spot on. Some of it was was was, uh, was was wrong. I mean, in my opinion. But the bottom of the end of the day, the players don't think what what happened with Brady is deflating. Hey, just find the guy a little bit. Hey, you know, if Goodell, if you want, if you if you Roger, if you want to, you know, contain all the stuff as being the, 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 the judge and the jury, you know, the way the, the CBA working and gave you all the power, just find the guy. Just find him because, because the, the people in the league don't care. And I think the owners, more than anything, is one that's really pressuring Roger. The players don't care because people manipulate balls all the time. They did it my day. They did it before my day. I mean, the bottom line is, look, now a lot of people don't care about the spy game thing, but, but, but in terms of that, I know the players have a problem with that. The spy game, you know, and, and a lot of the guys that played in that year, played in that time during the spy game, they care about that. Well, I, I, else, they don't care about I that. Heard, uh, I heard uh, Dick get asked about Spygate, and he says, you know, he says, everybody does it. He says, they don't know. He says, everybody doesn't necessarily record it. He said, but back when we would come to L.A. to practice, he said, the other team guys looking over the fence watching what we did. He said, the bottom line is, you might know what we do on second and long, but you still got to stop it. And that's uh, you know Dick. You know Dick is hardcore, and uh, you know he, he he's got you know he, he he played in the era where everything goes, and uh, he says you know he, he doesn't really give a, he doesn't really care about that kind of stuff. He says that kind of stuff to, means nothing to him because he says the bottom line is it's got to be dealt with on the field with the with the players actually during the play. No matter how much you know about a team's possibilities or preferences and whatnot, he says you got to you got to be able to stop it when it happens. Well, first of all, I do, I, I do agree with Dick and stuff. But since we're in the age of so-called integrity, you know, high-profile NFL and this and that, he's absolutely right. I mean, when I was playing in college and the pros, man, everybody knew the AD was going to get the sweep. Everybody knew he was going to do this. Hey, but can you stop it? And absolutely, he's telling the truth. you got to do it on the field. I don't care if Belichick was standing right next to him on the field, on their practice field. The bottom line, Dick is right. If you can't stop us, Forget it doesn't matter anyway, because everybody knows what everybody's doing. Everybody knows. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows everybody's tendencies in the league. I mean, if you're playing, look, if you're in the division, you're playing the guys two or three, two, two times, and maybe you play them again in the playoffs or NFC or AFC championship, you know what they're doing anyway. You can't stop them. If you don't, if, if you don't, if you don't scout a team, and I know they're talking about film, and I understand Spike Gate and anything, but let's talk about you know just bottom line. If you don't scout a team and, and, and kind of learn their tendencies and stuff like that, you're not doing your job. And, and but you know, bottom line is you got to stop on the field. You know, we, we hear we hear in baseball. They say, oh, the, the, the you know the catcher the catcher's got the book on this guy. He knows what his tendencies are. Catcher's trying to call pitches that this guy's going to chase. You know, pitcher's trying to put it in places he knows this guy doesn't, doesn't, doesn't swing well at. 
you know, you got to study. You got to study your opponent. And football's the same way. Basketball's the same way. Baseball's the same way. Boxing. You know, name your sport. Uh, you, you know, you got to kind of know. You got to kind of know your your opponent's tendencies. But the bottom line is, you still have to be able to capitalize on those on those things. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I mean, there's, you know, see, when you talk to guys like Dick and you talk to guys like me, they played in the ear and Jim Brown, hey, anything went, you know, everybody checked everything out, everybody was at your practice, oh. that spot. Yeah, people doing it all the time. All, all the time. Didn't matter. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's who's on their game that given day. Hey, you, you, you're going to call Brown right their 48 pitch? Well, here it comes. Actually, they took two guys to walk out of the huddle. And they say, Davis to the right, here he comes. And they're telling me, I said, well, buddy, guess what? You got to stop it. After I picked up 15 yards, they said, we're coming right back again. Same thing. So, I mean, you know, they, these people know. It's just a matter of you stopping it. And then you can put some little wrinkles in it in your different formation, everything else, and you can step by. But basically, overall, they pretty much know you're coming in that area. Right. And that's, and, and that's what makes, makes it tough about the game of football because it, that's become, it becomes a battle, a physical battle. I remember, I remember, I remember. I was playing against the Washington Redskins, and and, and I was in the Buccaneers, Buccaneers Stadium, and, and uh, Kenny Washington, the, the the All Pro Safety Hall of Famer, came up and says, "Hey, man, he's coming right here." Of course, we came right there, but I went forty yards down the field because our blocking was right. But I mean, we didn't come back and do the same, but they stopped it. So I'm just saying, you know, they know. Well, it's always it's it's always interesting that when somebody knows something's coming. And, and that, that's that's where you see the big battles. I mean, when you know when you had like a, you know a fastball down, you know, hundred mile an hour pitcher, gonna throw it and, and just throw it as hard as they can at the cross center of the plate, and Reggie Jackson's gonna be swinging at it, swinging for the fences, and those are those little special moments, man. Well, you know, if, if he goes down swinging or if he, if he puts one out the park, I mean, that's that's what people live for. If if, they, if a team knows you know AD's coming, you know, student body right. And you come to the money, right? And you go 50, 60 yards. That's that's the battle. That's the kind of stuff you look for. Absolutely. And then, you know, in my day, I mean, they knew it. And the thing that frustrated them, they knew it and they couldn't stop it. That's what we love to do. You know, it's one thing that tricks them. It's one thing to know they're coming, know you're coming, and you still kick their rear end. That's one of the most frustrating things for defense is when you just still run over and score. You know, and some days... They got your number. You in here not doing anything. You get a big flat zero. So I'm just saying, and that's the game of football. But there was a well, this Fargate and buff and, and, and Flategate. You know, I mean, come on. It's, it's we're about nothing. And the thing is, really makes it bad for the public and for fans. I mean, now the word's getting out about the money these guys are spending, spending just on buying some some ball. Are you kidding me? Ten million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, you gotta watch, you gotta watch that HBO. Or I don't know if it's on HBO or Spike, but that show with uh, the Rock called Ballers. It's great. It is great, and it, it shows, it shows, uh, it shows some of the excesses, and it shows uh, some, some. It's, 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 it's believable to me. Uh, you know, there's, there, you know, I think uh, what's his name, Cruz uh, from the Gi- Giants. He's on there occasionally. Uh, Victor Cruz. Uh, it's 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 a it's a good show, and, uh, I, and when you talk about that kind of money, I mean, you talk to these guys going out and buying, you know, million dollar cars. <laughs> and, and one guy, one guy, <laughs> last episode, 
and his guy's girlfriend had kind of met, uh, you know, done with his shit. You know, she's tired of him getting, you know, cheating and all this kind of stuff. Found out he had a whole house where he called the party house and stuff like that. And he says, he goes up and he, and he, he goes and he buys this ring. He says, come on, marry me. She throws the ring in the fountain. He says, that ring costs $400,000. She said, Kobe spent $4 billion. He goes, he makes more than me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Hey, let's talk about the the the, the, the um, college right now. The, the rankings are out. Uh, depends on which one you look at. Uh, you know, uh, looks like Ohio State tops all the top three: uh, the CBS Sports poll, the coaches poll, and the uh, FBS poll. But let's talk about your alma mater, SoCal. On the FBS poll, they're uh, they got them listed at twenty and uh, twenty, and uh, they have uh, UCLA at ten. The coaches poll. Has SC at ten and UCLA at fourteen, and the CBS poll has SC at nine and UCLA at thirteen. Um, your thoughts? Well, here's the deal. What is the poll that they vote on to get them in the top four? You tell me that. Now you got one. You said SC's ranked twentieth, then you got some saying UCLA fourteen, SC ten, and vice versa. UCLA. Well, the bottom line, like I said before. The way the system is set up, period. And I heard a little snippet on UFC Today. I think ASPN was covering a lot of stuff today, you know, you know, going around to different camps and stuff. And Sarkees was talking about how, you know, great his defense is going to be and, and everything. A lot of people said, well, you know, what is out there? How's the defensive line is going to be? Uh, he said they recruited a good front, good nine defensive players. But how good is SC going to be? I mean, because first of all, you got to implement your new system. You got to get everybody flowing in the system. You got coach, you got Cody coming back, Kessler coming back as quarterback. And so, what happens in terms of that? In terms of your play versus the ranking? Now, uh, the fact is, you got Oregon up north, you got Stanford, and you got Arizona State and Arizona UCLA in the Southern Division. So the bottom line is, if you're ranked tenth and twentieth, fourteenth, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta win everything, and hope you got some luck through the because this is because the way it's set up now, if the top four or five teams run the table, you're not getting in the top four. Right. I mean, so the bottom line is, like I've said, people, you can win the Pac-12 title straight out and not get in the playoffs, and then if you do, you have some luck. And then, you know, I don't even know how they have, I don't even know how they have SC projected. So some people have SC projected to win the Pac-12. Well, I think Oregon, I think Oregon and Stanford have something to say about that. Even though I'm an SC guy and I want SC to do well, but at the end of the day, the reality of everything is you got to contend with those people within that conference, the Northern and the Southern Division. I mean, that's a whole, see, you got two pictures here. You got the national scene with the national playoffs, and then right. you got with you just got the Pac-12 conference like every other conference in the country. See the way it is, you got to fight to get to the top four, and then and then and then if you like top four, top five, or top six, you might be voted into the top four based on your your play. So the way it is now, I think you got Ohio State number one, right? You got Alabama too. No, it's, it changes. Uh, <clears throat> see, Ohio State's number one in all three polls that I'm looking at. Uh, number two on the CBS poll is TCU. On the coaches poll is TCU. And on the uh, FBS poll, it's Oregon. Uh, Alabama, the highest Alabama pops up uh, is going to look like number three on the coaches poll. 
Number three in the coaches poll. Number four in the other two polls. And I'm really surprised. Uh, maybe I missed something last year. Maybe I don't know what's happening with recruitment. Baylor pops up in the top five on all three of these polls. Baylor is number, okay. number uh, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying to you. See, Baylor, Baylor is knocking at the door. Now, now the top four going in, who, who's consistently in the top four? Ohio, okay, consistently in the top four is Ohio State, TCU, TCU. Alabama, right. and let's see, that one has Baylor, this one has Baylor, it looks like Baylor. Uh, Baylor Baylor's in the top four on two polls, and uh, Oregon pops up to number two on one of the polls and pushes Baylor down to number five or seven. Okay, just, rem- just remember this. If you're in the top six, you're knocking on the door, that's the teams you got to focus on. Then if all of them top six teams get knocked down with a win, one for a, a Just say like if the top six teams had one loss mm-hmm. by mid-season. And that sees round number 10, based on some of the polls or whatever. Then they got a shot getting, getting, getting the playoff picture. If that doesn't happen with an undefeated SC team or undefeated any team, you're not getting. You're not getting there, and then and then based on schedule and how you perform, even one lost team up there, the top top six people don't have a lot, and, and they're still performing better than an undefeated SC team or undefeated UCLA team or undefeated any team. They're not. They're not getting in that top six. Right. See, that's that's why that's why the system's so messed up. Why they should have a full fledged playoff conference against conference championship, championship conference in all of the country. And have the second place teams play these other bowl games and go like that. But if not, that's how whacked up the system is. Because you got to see, because preseason rankings, if them teams stay there, those teams are never going to move. It's not going to happen. What's interesting is I don't I don't see, and maybe you, maybe you can, but if you can tell me who you think can. I don't see anybody running the table in the, in the Pac-12. I don't I don't see any team that's going to go undefeated in the Pac-12. Well, the day they were talking about how. The, the, the Pac-12 South is the toughest division in college football. Well, you can get some arguments out of that. What about the SEC West? I mean, that, that, that's what they projected today, that the, S, that, that the Pac-12 South is the strongest conference in the country. So if, if you're projecting that, what do you got? Why you got these other teams that are up in other conferences, and you're talking about this? That means that they should run the table. Somebody's going to run the table, and somebody should be in the top four at the end of the year. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. If you're saying that that's – if you're saying the Southern Division is the strongest in the country, well, wait a minute. Well, then you you, you need to reject SC even even higher. You got you got one poll at 20, another poll at 14, another poll at 10. Yeah. Then you got UCLA ahead of them, and you then you got Oregon one poll number two. I mean, and, and that's a back to that, – and, 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 and if they're number two, and they're in the, and they're in the Pac-12 – North, and you got the Pac-10 South they're projected as strong. God, you, that'll get you high thinking about something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> that'll my brain out. <laughs> <laughs> the Northern Division, and, and then you're saying the Southern Division is the strongest in the country, and you got Ohio State and, and, and Alabama and, and Baylor and everybody talking. What are you What are you talking about? Right. <laughs> It's, I mean, come on! I mean, it, it, it just—it's confusing to me to hear that kind of, you know, that that, that hypocrisy is just ridiculous. Hey, 
throw everything out, have a full-fledged playoff, which, you know, people are already talking about that now because of what we're talking about here. It's very confusing, and it's really unfair. Oh, and by the way, you got, obviously, you people, you people like money, corporate world, hey, you'll make more money if you had a full-fledged playoff anyway. You know, uh, you know, we we talk about the Pac-12, and and, and we still talk about these these, these rankings and whatnot. Um, UCLA is not to be lo- overlooked. I mean, uh, you know, especially when you start talking about rivalries and, and how, how they match up against certain teams within the conference. Uh, you know, and and it just little things pop up like that. I mean, just like you know, we talk about SC Notre Dame, SC UCLA. Uh, you know, you, you got Stanford in the mix, you got Oregon in the mix. Um, but you still have to be overlooked. I know they've gone through some changes. They got some, you know, they got some personnel changes with, you know, you know, guys that have left and, and, and bringing in new recruits. But uh, how are they looking on, on your on your charts? First of all, first of all, you know, just don't count don't don't count you sell it out because they got their core team in place. The only thing they're looking for is a quarterback that can lead it. Now they they have a, a quarterback battle going on over there, which people say they got some good quarterbacks over there. Okay, now according to Jim Morrow. Who, who was talking on ESPN today, the fact that he's got to decide who that quarterback going to be. And I hope he makes the right decision. Because the bottom line is they got everything there to make a run at the Pac-12 at, at Pac South. But that's, they're, they're serious. That's, they're serious contenders. So, you know, you know uh, but, but people are not really looking at UCLA where they're looking at USC. Right. Which I think is sort of a little unfair, too. And I'm, I'm just being – I'm just talking as a pure football peerless, Okay. I'm an SC guy, but I'm just telling you the way it is. Don't overlook them because they're serious. Matter of fact, you don't overlook if, they, if, if the way people are talking. You don't need to look over, overlook anybody in, in the Pac-12 South based on what they're saying. Right. So if that's the case, you better not dare look over UCLA, okay? But then you know it all play out because you know everybody's going to be wishy-washy the whole year. And I was hearing uh, was with Joey Galloway who was on the ESPN. He was talking about, and he was he was saying you can't overlook anybody. Because the way everything's set up, but the problem is if you if the problem is the way everything is set up. You say like UCLA can say if UCLA goes eleven and zero. Do they get in the playoffs? I doubt it. Hmm. What if SC goes eleven zero? Do they get in the playoffs? I doubt it. Now if if you, if, if if Oregon in the North, if they stay number two and they run the table, they're in the playoffs. They're in the playoffs. Right, because they're already if they run the table. They're in the playoffs. Yeah. Based on the ranking, right? You see, but but you you can be ranked fifteenth in another conference, and you can go run the table. You're not getting anywhere. You're not. You might not even be in the top ten if you go undefeated. That's what screwed up with the system. Yeah. With uh, you, you know, this just talk about let's talk about you know what, what we got here locally and and and, and the the benefits from uh, you know SC and UCLA. Two college campuses that have a great history, not with just football, and not with just sports. Uh, you know, there's so many people in the entertainment field and, uh, and sciences, and, right. and, and as far as the sports and stuff like that go. But uh, these types these of rankings, rankings and, 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 and you know, when these guys do, and, you know, when the teams do great on the field and stuff like that, how much does that boost the uh, the, the, the the university status as far as money and, and everything else that goes along with it? First of all, I mean, UCLA, SC, they have some great people that come out of both schools, sports, academics, I mean, you name it. You talk about the entertainment industry, great, great people, George Lucas, I mean, you know, Spielberg, all these guys, you know. Even one of the associates I work with is uh, was the president of Universal Television. I mean, they have guys in every area 
from all different aspects, business, and both schools. That, 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 yeah, that, that, that boosts the school period. They have a long legacy of greatness, and uh, that's, what it, that's what happens. I mean, then that's the school. And, they both, and I think collectively both schools, they can match up with anybody in the United States. And, uh, and, and let, let UCLA be a public school and FC being a private. But overall, in my opinion, those are two, two great institutions. You, uh, you you lost, lost a real, a real uh, popular, popular and famous, famous alumni, alumni this week, week uh, uh, Frank, Frank Gifford, Gifford, who played. played I hear myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> Frank Gifford, Frank Gifford played, played. I know it's coming from one of these headsets. Uh, played for SC. I uh, went to SC. Uh, played in the NFL. Played for the Giants. Long career in broadcasting and whatnot. Uh, I don't know if you knew Frank, uh, but you know the history uh, behind him and, and what, what he meant to the school and, and the area. What were your thoughts? Well, first of all, I mean, I knew Frank. I met Frank. Uh, uh, met him out here in California one year. He definitely knew everything about me. I knew everything about him. <coughs> and it's a tragic loss. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, he was a great player, great ambassador for the game. He was a mild, smooth kind of guy. And uh, it's great, 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 great representation, a, a great uh, person that, that wore the cardinal goal and set examples and stuff for all his players that came after him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I know one year he was he was uh, covering one of the USC games. He's really, if they came off, they was doing more pro SC than, than, than in the booth. But, yeah, he was a, he was a great guy. I, yeah, mean, yeah. I enjoyed always talking to him, and, uh, and, and he gave me great confidence. I mean, that was great. The fact that him being a legendary guy he was with New York and, and everything else, to be able to be able to talk in the same arena with him was great. Yeah. This past, this past weekend, weekend, we had the Hall of Fame ceremonies. ceremonies. Uh, Junior uh, Seahouse's daughter, daughter was allowed, was allowed to, uh, to, to speak. To speak. Uh, uh, did you watch, did any, you watch any, any of that? that? If, if so, so, what were your thoughts? If not, what made the NFL cave on that? I think public pressure. I just believe that, you know, I think what happened in the past is some guy before one year was spoke forty minutes one time, yeah, and, 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 it, and it was a, it was a production thing more. Well, just come out and say that's the reason, but don't you just don't say no, you can't do it. Right, but I'm right. sort of glad they did, but they put limitation on how long she can talk, and, and she knew it. And I'm glad that they came and did that. But I, but I'm but I'm but I'm telling you from here on out, you know, you know they, they're going to monitor that, and, and that does make sense. We'll let everybody know why. But you know, but don't let it get to a conference where they even she's going to mention about you know the concussion stuff and and possibly the movie coming out and uh, stuff like that to try to embarrass him in the, the NFL in terms of the, uh, how he died and I committed because that's what they were worried about from what, I, what I've been hearing. But I'm glad they let her speak and and, and it was a production it was a production thing you know it was a bit, oh and I get that but just let everybody know but don't let it get to the point where you know everybody says well the reason they're not letting her talk is because the father's death and not happen. Right, so, right. You know, other than, I'm so glad. And I saw her talk about her father. It was very elegant, classy, and uh, I thought it was great. You know, you know the, 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 the NFL, NFL has, has, you know, they've, they've, they've gone through, gone some, through some stuff the last, last couple of years. years. But it, but it seems, seems like they, 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 they take, take two, two steps, steps forward, forward and three, three steps, steps back. back. Every, I, and I don't know <laughs> if it's Goodell. I don't know who's the final... The final, the final decider, decider. <laughs> whatever. whatever. But, but it seems, it seems like, like constantly they, they, take they take two steps forward and three steps back. back. They, they, they need they to hire a, a PR firm or, or something. Or something. They, they, they seem to get in the thick, thick of things, things every, every week. week. It's, it's every, every week, week, AD. 
Yeah, you know, it's amazing. I mean, something's always going down every week. And like I told you before, you know, you hate to bring this thing up. And you know me, I I shoot from the hip and stuff. The bottom line is, you know, I hate hate to see the brothers in the league doing what they do. Because it's pretty much the majority of black league now. And and, and my thing is, the NFL needs to put, 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 lay the law down and let them know what they're going to do. Don't be wishy-washy. Don't give one guy this and give another guy that. If you're going to discipline a guy, make sure it's a no-nonsense situation. Like I've told you before, that's where it's going. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to be an a-hole, they're going to make sure you want and, and permanently be out. Like I told you about this kid that, that, that broke Geno's mouth, broke yeah, his yeah. jaw. That right there, he should be lucky to have a team guy that rush right Because other than that, nobody was touching him. What's interesting, What's interesting is, is they, they did pick, did him, pick up, him up, but the, the, the league, league is still, is still looking at this, and they're going to decide what what his punishment is going to be. We'll see the, we'll see the issue. Is, yeah, the punishment is going to be, but see the thing that Rex Ryan knows what this kid's about. You see, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, he might get suspended. He might be there. And once they dig into it, once they dig into everything, they're going to have Gino in the office, too. But, I mean, once they dig into him, he might get a game or two suspension. Whatever. He, you never know. You don't know what he might get. He might right, get the right. and, and I'm telling you, the Buffalo Bills are bracing for that. I mean, they, that was well thought out before they brought him in. The, but, but Rex Ryan's being based on his athletic ability, period. And, sure, they're going to talk about the character issues. They're going to talk about the anger management things with him, period. Uh, and, and, oh, believe me, he's learned his lesson because in, in most situations, he's not getting back in, getting back in the league. So, Back to the back to the league and how you say they 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 they, they straighten things out and they take two steps back. Well, they got to work on that big time. If it's a PR firm they need to deal with, or do they need to go talk to the players' association, work on some ways a no nonsense policy? Because that's where it's headed. That's where it's going to go. You have, you spoken, have spoken many, many a times time here on this show, this show uh, about, about the ability of people, people to play this play sport. This sport. Who aren't, who aren't in this, in this league, league, who are walking, walking the streets, the streets today. today. you got these you guys, guys that constantly, constantly get in trouble. In trouble. Uh, I think it was all, who was the guy from the 49ers last week and whatever. Guys are constantly getting in trouble. Guys are constantly getting doing things like that. And like you said, this guy, the Bills, picked him up. But are we going to get to a point where they're going to say, you know what, you screwed up, you're gone, next. First of all, like I've said, I think the league is going to zero tolerance policy. There's too many guys that want to play in the league. There's too many guys that are good or not in the league. You know, you might not be with the, be as good as this guy that got kicked out the league, but you're gonna be good enough, okay? And then you and, and then you can develop yourself to be into that superstar because everybody develops differently. That's why I believe it's going. All this stuff, that's where it's going. A no nonsense because eventually you got to protect the brand. You got to protect the money. When you start affecting these guys, money, you're gone. You see, you know, you got all these women groups out here, these youth watching this stuff. Is that is that the image you want to project? See, the league is, is very conscious of all this stuff. And I'm I'm going to preach this, and to preach as long as I'm on this radio talking stuff. That is where they're going. I think all the leagues are taking notes of everything. Because, you know, they they, 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 squat, they all squat notes now, you know, from hockey to the NBA. I mean, you know, it's going to be a no, a zero tolerance eventually. I, I believe that. Because there's, there's too many good ball players out there that want to play. I mean, they're going to check in everybody. And eventually, and eventually, even from the college rank, this is what I believe, that if you got some baggage in the closet and it's coming out, you might not even get drafted. You, you might not even get to draft day. Right, right. 
they might not even deal with you. See, th- 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 that's where it's headed. Oh, you're good. You can run a four or three. Oh, Bob, well, you've had a, you've had two arrest records. Oh, you've been smoking too much weed. You know, you're popping this ecstasy. You're doing it. You stand up three or four o'clock in the morning. No, that's where it's going. They, they're going to start checking every corner, every inch, everything about you. The, the NFL is going to become the FBI. Even though they deal with 10 people, they're going to become the FBI themselves watching you guys. Well, you, you think because, uh, you know, you, you know, you talk about other guys can try can play this game and stuff like that. I remember years ago where, where guys were coming into the league with very little football experience, but based on their athletic ability. Some of it worked, some of it didn't. I remember I believe the 49ers picked up Ronaldo Nehemiah because he could he was a high high hurdler. Uh, like, he didn't seem like to get hit, so I don't know. He lasted. He didn't last too long. But, but there's, there's, there's plenty, plenty of people, people out there, plenty of opportunities for other people. people. And, and uh, uh, you know, you know things are gonna, gonna, I think things are going to have to change with so many guys getting in trouble. trouble. Just, you got to move it along and, and, and move to the next, to the person, next person and, 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 and bring that way. You'll bring, bring, like you said, a lot of these people who are going to walk away from the game as fans will see that things are being done and maybe stay or come back. First of all, look, people don't like, look, see, eventually people don't like knuckleheads. Be a knucklehead on the field playing. Don't be a knucklehead off the field. Okay, they expect, you know, don't be a knucklehead off the field. And then what gets me, what gets me, if you're making 5 to $10 million a year, and you're going to jeopardize it, getting in the car, driving 140 miles, doped out and everything else, and slapping everybody around, I mean, you're going to jeopardize that? Where are you going to get that kind of money? Right, right. How many people make 5 $6 million a year walking these streets in the, America, in the United States today? I think Nobody Peter does, but not the rest mm-hmm. of us. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. <laughs> So that's, so, so, that's, 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 so that's what I'm saying, because there's another guy who went in the fifth round who could be the number one draft choice. Right, See, right. like I said, the, the NFL draft is a crapshoot. It's based on a human saying, this guy can play, this guy can't play. You remember Tom Brady? Six-round draft choice? Yeah, yeah. Couldn't run at the combine? He looked like he was ready to fall apart when he ran the 40. He couldn't do anything, but guess what? He's considered one of the greatest quarterbacks or the greatest quarterbacks in terms of the success of the Super Bowl, being in six Super Bowls, winning four, and everybody said he couldn't play. Yeah. Now, one thing I'll give the, the Patriots. There's something about Belichick that saw something in Brady that no one else in the league saw. That makes Belichick ingenious. Because look at, look, look at the end result. You know how many guys who walk around that could be like Tom Brady? That, that's how volatile and how lucky you are playing the game of pro football. And these guys don't get it. Last two things, things, A.D. Uh, Number one, there's a report report uh, this week that there there will be, be, I don't know how true this is, that there will be a a team, an NFL NFL team in Los Los Angeles for the 2016 2016 season. season. How do do you see that happening? I believe it when I see it. (laughs) <laughs> Where's it coming from? Will it be the Will it be the Rams coming here, or will it be the Rams staying in St. Louis? Will it be the San Diego Chargers, Oakland Raiders coming here in a dual stadium? What is going to be? I believe it when I see it. Is San Diego going to let the Chargers leave? Is Oakland going to any up money to to do a, a, a stadium for the Oakland Raiders? I believe it when I see it. I've been hearing this. I've been hearing this stuff for for fifteen years. <laughs> so I believe it when I see it. I hear you, brother. And, 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 and frankly, I think the best the best one is, is the one, the, the, uh, the Rams situation, either in St. Louis or coming to Los Angeles. They got all the land. 
They have the they land. land. Uh, somebody, uh, somebody, somebody have to find a temporary, temporary stadium, stadium for a couple, for a couple of years, years, but. Uh, We'll see. We'll see. Uh, you know, the, 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 it, it seems like every time I hear with the, how good the, the Rams situation is, the, uh, the Charger Raiders things uh, anting up a little bit more. Apparently, they, they, they have the land that they have that they need, and they're offering up eight acres to the NFL to do what they please with. So everybody's kind of greased the skids and uh, make them sweeten the pot. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. Well, the thing, the, well, the thing is with that also – you got the TV contract you got to deal with. You got all the logistical things you got to do in terms of owners. Because when you move, when you put a team here, when you put teams here, this is the number two market. Over overnight, those teams go up big time money, millions. Yeah, yeah. See, so you're in the number two market now. Whoever comes here, that you're in, you're in, you're in, you increase your value tenfold. So that's another thing you got to deal with. Right. Right. Last but not least, least, the book, book and, the, and movie. the movie. Talk to Talk us. To us. Uh, well, kickoff concussions out there. Thanks to you people letting. Thanks to you and your broadcast letting people know about the, the importance of concussions. It's a serious thing. Uh, really, the, 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 my book came out a month before I shot the film Concussion with Will Smith. Uh, had a little role in that, and uh, I think it's going to be. It's going to be an important movie. It's going to be very controversial. Will Smith does a great job. He plays the doctor, Bennett O'Malo, who, who, who emphasized the, the dangers of CTE, which a lot of us are affected by that. And uh, I know the NFL is bracing for it, but it is what it is. And you, you, they just have to deal with it because that's a serious thing. Look, football is a contact sport, and you're going to get, get hit in the head, and no one escapes. I don't care who it is. If you play two years, you play, if you play two years, you play 20 years. You're going to have issues with this board. So this movie's coming out Christmas Day, and uh, we'll see what happens. But I do appreciate you promoting this book, Kickoff Concussion, and uh, it means a lot to me. Absolutely, Absolutely. indeed. Well, well, it's always it's a always pleasure, man, and, and, and we'll, we'll chat, chat again, again next, next week, brother. brother. Okay, take care. Thank you. Thank you. The great Anthony great Davis, everybody, everybody. and uh, get a chance to uh, listen to him every week here on Swoops World. And uh, so, you've got uh, something to say to uh, – this <laughs> uh, computer just pissing me off. Uh, you know, the, he, he's in the College Football Hall of Fame. Needs to be in the Rose Bowl Hall of Fame. SC needs to retire his jersey, and I'm going to say that every week. Every time I have a form to say it, and uh, if you're if you're a big time fan, uh, you know, you let the powers of be know that. We're going to take a quick break. This is John Gannon. This is called Trinity. Back after this.
That's a river rushing through the forest. Forest rivers provide over 100 million people with clean water to drink. What? I can't hear you because of the vacuum. That's not a vacuum. That's the trees in the forest cleaning up the air we breathe. I didn't know the trees were so amazing. Yep, and the forest gives us shade, trees to climb. That's awesome. Let's go explore some more. Visit the forest today and enjoy all it does just for you. To learn more about the forest and find one near you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. 
Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Let TalkStream Live transform the way you listen to radio. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Hi, my name is Brent Michelle. I'm a singer-songwriter based in Los Angeles. Why don't you sit back? Grab a cold beer and listen in, because you're listening to Swoop's World. The world spins before my eyes. One wrong turn, I'm left behind. And so I hide under my skin till I can't stop. Times man's gotta do whatever he can for a little food. It's hard times, that's my excuse. I had no choice, it was me or you. It's hard times, I'm saving myself. If it wasn't me, they'd hire someone else. So turn over all of your weapons, I don't give a fuck I'm only following orders, get in the truck I'll shoot you, I'll beat you, they pay me to cause you this pain I'm only following orders, get on the train Hard times, and I've got a wife and two young sons to raise up right. It's hard times, and so I prayed hard to God for a job, and now I'm a god. It's hard times, I say to myself, if it wasn't me, they'd hire someone else. You're going to be relocated, come out of your house I'm only following orders, burn the place down I've got to kill more men tomorrow, it's going to be such a mess I've got to follow their orders, but they'll kill me next
to school with your children. We say the Pledge of Allegiance together. I'm one out of every four children in America, and I'm struggling with hunger. I'm lucky to grow up where I could be whatever I want. I want to grow up and be someone who doesn't go to bed hungry. Please visit feedingamerica.org today and find your local food bank. Every dollar you donate helps provide seven meals for kids like me. Together, we're Feeding America. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Rebecca Romaine. As a former model, I used to walk runways all over the world. Paris, Milan, New York. This is Salif Diara. As a local health worker, he walks the pathways of his village in Mali, West Africa, every day to help treat severely ill children. Like many children in the developing world, those in Salif's village are threatened by common illnesses that kill millions worldwide. But unlike villages without a local health worker, the children in Salif's village get the care they need to survive. And even though you can't walk in his shoes, you can help him with his work. Help one, save many. See where the good goes at goodgoes.org and find out all the ways you can help get the good where it needs to go. Brought to you by Save the Children and the Ad Council. The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Story Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Hi, I'm Tim from Kid Gramophone, and I'm awesome. You're listening to the equally awesome Swoops World. Ask her for drinks and for girls. She parts her lips as a food is the end of the world. Welcome back to the show on Swoops World on Talk Story Radio Network. Network and uh, for all your fitness needs, go see our good friend Jack Nunn over at Rowworks Fitness. It's R O W O R X. He's got an indoor rowing, boot camp, personal training, and so much more. Located at 5750 Boathouse Lane in the city of Long Beach, www.rowworks.com. Give him a call, 562 688 1716. Let him know the Swoops Rail sent you and your first week. Oops. First visit <laughs> is free. <laughs> hey, man, a week visit, you know, whatever. Maybe you just go once a week, you know, you never know. Never know. And if, uh, for all your, uh, your health needs, if you uh, want to grow your own food in a convenient, organic, low water way, or if you want to uh, get better, more fruits and vegetables in your system to help increase all the positive things your body can do check out uh the front page of our website you can click on the thing there for it's at gardentowers.com i'm sorry gardentowers.co or you can click on the tab there for the uh, juice plus tab and it'll tell you all you need to know about those things t-bone's not here man Mm-mm. he's he's in my hey he's in my hey so we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna fake it till we make it uh, on uh, t-bone's time out and uh when we run out we run out what do you say there you go. We'll even play his intro, even though he's not here, man. It's just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we are. Let's see here. Uh, da, da, da. You know, you got to scroll down a little. Oh, no, 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 no. You were listening I'm to telling the telling you. Imagine no longer. Freaking ass. I want my computer back. I want my computer back. Because scrolling on this one, it just jumps too far. There you go. 
Uh, you know that sound? It's you time for sports <laughs> with T-Bone's timeout. Close enough. Or as we say, <laughs> it's T-Bone's timeout. Minus T-Bone. <laughs> Well, here's what you say. Well, I'll just kibitz for a little bit. We mm. kibitz already. So, uh, I guess some Dodger news, right? Dodgers are doing okay. Uh, you know, nobody is wowed, even though they're in first place. They're just... They're like the Yankees, too. The Yankees are yeah, well, in first place, but they're... They're not today. The Yankees dropped um, yeah, half third, game below today, I think. That's Today, just like tonight. Right before the show, they were still in first place because they had fewer losses. They had... I think they had fewer wins but fewer losses in the second place. Team. I could look, I, I, but I think Toronto won, and that's what put it over. Um, I think, I but either way, it's close. I, I mean, it's here. close. But they both have been uh, just not, right. Yeah. Exactly, exactly what we we're just saying. Just not uh, wow. Yeah. Um, which I mean, for the Yankees, isn't such a surprise because they they had sort of a pissy year last year, right? Yeah, I've got uh, the Toronto at 63 and 52, and the Yankees at 61 and 51. Okay. So that puts Toronto half up game, half, half game, a game. Yeah, that's it. Uh, again, that's not so surprising. I mean, the, the Yankees had a horrible yeah, year. They're, they're, but they lost five in a row, right? Well, that doesn't help, but <laughs> Toronto has won 10 in a row. So that's part of it. It's, Whoa, yeah, yeah, look at that. 10 Whoa. straight wins. So, 10 straight wins. Whereas wow. the Dodgers have been the top dog in the West, uh, you know, Pretty consistently for the last three years, and uh, got not much to show for it as far as uh, playoff victories or post playoff, season, post yeah, season, postseason. Right? You know, um, so it's still sort of a they're 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 not deep. They're three and a half up though. They are they are, and they're they're not horrible, but they're not. Um, they've got two great starters, and then they fall off really hard, really Kershaw fast. And Kershaw and Granke, and they're both. Really in a zone. They both pitched this week. Both of them went. Uh, uh, Kershaw today pitched eight innings, no walks, no runs, eight strikeouts. Yesterday, Grinky pitched six innings, not quite as long, but no walks, no runs, and six strikeouts. So you know they're 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 firing. They're good. Uh, it, but right after that, they fall off. And uh, it's you know as we've talked about. You got your one two. That's great in a in a five game series. That's probably all you need. But in seven a seven game series, do <laughs> you? And that's why the Dodgers have not advanced past the second round uh, in the uh, whatever whatever series they're in. They've not gotten past the second round because that's when it starts being a seven game series. They haven't got that pitching. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm cheering for them, but. They didn't help themselves at the trade deadline at all as far as starting yeah. pitching goes. I, I shouldn't say that. They did. They got Alex Woods. Um, he's the middle reliever guy, and they got Latos. But Latos is, you know, he's a, he's a very middle average guy. If he's your fifth starter, you're okay. If he's your third starter, not good. Not good. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see how things go. And um, they held on to, they held on to uh, Puig. They held on to Puig. Apparently, nobody wanted to touch him, and that doesn't surprise me. Not because I'm sure there's teams out there that want him. They just didn't want that price tag. I mean, he's an expensive player who uh, he, he's you know he's got premier player uh, 
uh, salary, but he's yet to prove he can consistently play at that premier level. Uh, I mean, I, I think everybody – we've had this conversation many times. I mean, everybody would agree this is a five-tool guy, uh, but he's got that 10-cent head yeah. that like uh, – was it last night? Last night, Dodgers won five to nothing. He drove in all five runs. So you'll have those nights, and then you'll have you have the other nights. You know what he's going to do two years right. from now, right? You'll have the other nights where he gets picked off at second base <laughs> in the ninth inning, you know, and you're like, "Wow, you just, you just in a one-run game." You're like, <laughs> <laughs> and that's he has those moments, and it's just, uh, and same with his fielding. He's awesome. Everybody acknowledges he's got a killer arm. He's just throw guys out from just about anywhere. But he can't hit a cutoff guy <laughs> when he needs to. You know, he just doesn't. You know, it's that ten cent head mentality. So uh, it doesn't surprise me that they couldn't unload him uh, because then, along with all of that, is the issues of him, like you know, showing up to meetings late or not at all. Um, yeah, he's become a disrupt. Not he's not totally disruptive, but there's just enough there that like we're going to pay this guy a premium to be, you know. If you're going to get paid a premium, you need to be like Clayton Kershaw. You need to be like Derek Jeter was, yeah. like a leader. You need to be the guy that's there every day doing everything right. You need to be you're early. the first guy there, and you're the last, last guy to leave. Exactly. you got to be that guy if you want to get those kinds of – just like just like Kershaw is. Just like and, Tim Howard said – I know this guy you don't like, but Tim Howard said the same thing about uh, Ronaldo. He said, here's a kid. You know, He said, I, we heard all these things. And he said, when he came to our team, he says – the guy was the first one on the pitch and the last one to leave all the time, rain or shine. And he says, I've never seen anybody work that hard ever in my life. And, you're, you know, if you're going to make that kind of scratch, and especially you're going to be on a big stage like, you know, ADI talks about, uh, you know, what, what, uh, what do you call that? You know, you're in the Dodgers, you're in L.A., you're in New York. Uh, market. Market, yeah. You're going to be in that kind of market and make that kind of scratch. You need to... They have your stuff together. Man. Yeah, yeah, you know, and then that's totally true, and that's true, and you see that everywhere. You see that with the Michael Jordans, even Kobe, yeah. who there's it's lots of reasons not to like Kobe. But the guy works his ass off. Nobody's ever said he doesn't work hard. <laughs> he's lazy. Yeah, nobody's ever. Nobody's ever said he's a lazy <laughs> yeah, guy. Exactly. Yeah. Never. Yeah. I mean, you can yeah. knock him for a bunch yeah. of things, yeah. but you can't. Knock nobody's him ever. Up nobody's <laughs> ever knocked him for that. And you know, that's and going even back to the old days. Uh, Talking basketball here, you know, Larry Bird, yeah. uh, Magic Johnson. Those yeah. are two guys that everybody said, like, these guys are the first in, the first out. Yeah. These guys do everything extra all, all the, the time. time. Yeah. Not just when their contract's out. Yeah. Like, all <laughs> the time. And if you're going to get paid those kinds of dollars, and he is getting paid those kinds of dollars, Puig, uh, he's, he's got to step it up. And I hope he does because, you know, it's a shame to see a guy with that much freaking talent just piss maybe piss it away. I mean yeah. – He's not having a. He wouldn't be the first guy. He wouldn't be the first guy. Yeah. Uh, but you know, he just, he just, this guy could be one of the greats. I think. I really think he has that sort of talent. But and that talent opened the doors for him. But to get to that next level, to that great level where we're talking about him fifty years from now, twenty years from now, we've talk, we've, we've, he's got to step we've it up. We talked about that with just people we we knew in high school playing. Yeah, ball, yeah. So guys superior ta- superior talent. But just knuckleheads, you know, hmm. guys who could have gone far, might not have made the pros, but could have, you know, could have played D one ball somewhere, you know. And you just gotta go. 
you just shit that away, man. Mm-hmm, you gotta mm-hmm. pay for your college education with, with that talent, you know? Yeah. And, you, and, you, and you, when you start talking about on this level with those kinds of dollars, it's just unbelievable. Well, and that's what AD was sort of talking about, too, you know? Yeah. It's like, this is some, you know, like, why are these guys arguing over 600 bucks? Yeah, why, why, you're, you're the franchise player. You got six hundred bucks in your ashtray, man. You can't pay this guy off. First of all, why'd you have to borrow it in the first place? Well, I read a little something while you guys were talking, and apparently, he didn't actually borrow it. He agreed to show up to this guy, uh, the linebacker. What's his name? I can't say his name. I can't say. His name. Uh, they, he agreed to show up to this guy's youth camp. Okay. And so this guy. Oh, he paid for his own plane ticket. Pay, this guy paid for. Oh, okay. The ticket. All right. Then so expect to be reimbursed. Well, no. Apparently, apparently the deal was is he just I'll pay for your ticket. Okay. But then the guy didn't show up. Smith didn't show up. Oh. And he didn't show up. He had, it sounds like he had a legitimate excuse. Somebody close to him okay. died. All right. But but, but he didn't show up, for. and he didn't. Show, it's not like he said like a month from now. Hey, I'm not going to be able to show up. Mm-hmm. It's like days from now. He didn't show up. So you know this guy. I don't think honestly this was about six hundred dollars. This was more. This was about, hey, you said you'd come. You didn't show up. I paid for you to come. You know, that I was, advertised you'd be there. And then you didn't show up. Yeah. And now you're not going to reimburse me the 600 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, it, was, it was a pride thing for sure. It wasn't $600. I mean, that yeah. was the excuse, but right. it was really a pride thing. Which, again, 600 bucks, pay the guy. Pay it. Especially since you had a legitimate excuse. Like, dude, I'm sorry. I, I, I couldn't make it. Make it. I had a legitimate here's excuse. The 600 bucks. Here's the 600 yeah. bucks. Not, hey, I couldn't make it. Fuck you. You know, it sounds like this guy deserved to get punched in the face. I'm not saying he deserved to get, like, miss six to ten weeks of... But it sounds like this guy deserved to get punched in the face at least once. I'm just saying. Based on what we know. a good punch. You know, maybe... He's got a glass chin. Maybe you need to take up a little martial arts in the off-season so you know what to do when somebody throws a punch. Maybe when you're skipping his camp, you go to Ronda Rousey's camp. Right? <laughs> just, <laughs> just saying that, especially when you're going to be a dick. It sounds like that's probably what you should probably do. Yeah, come on. They're, they're, seriously, seriously. That's, that's, I'm just, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're reading in between the lines here, but that's what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. I mean, everybody understands shit comes up and say, sometimes you got to go, hey, look, shit come up in here. I know you covered me. Here's your fucking money. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. you got to. Because a second string guy, if he if he had Smith coming, you know, he was promoting the hell well, out of it. Thing. And that's, it wasn't his. Think about these camps, because like, I sent my kid to one of these camps, right? It's like, this guy's going to be there, this guy's going to be there, this guy's going to be there, so we can charge you X number of dollars. Last thing you want to hear is a parent that you spent, you know, a substantial amount of money to send your kid to that's, well, so-and-so didn't show up. Right. Yeah. And I, Even I if so-and-so it. had a legitimate excuse, you yeah. don't want to hear that. You, you don't know? want to hear it. You don't want to hear it. And you, 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 you still, you're going to go, oh, I get that again, tell somebody that. But then if you're the guy who spent the money promoting it, and now you're sitting there with your stuff in your hands talking to parents going, yeah, I know he's supposed to be here, but something came up. and You know how that day went for him. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, well, he's going to pay me back for the ticket I spent money on. Right. Which, <laughs> that you, yeah. Uh, again, this, is, it, this wasn't about the money so much as about pride. Um, and if Geno Smith couldn't have seen that, then. Yeah, Shame well, on him. Oh, well. Oh, he sees it now. Again. It won't, it won't happen again. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, I don't know. That That's 
that's one of those odd things, you know. These guys have other things going on on the side. I get that. That's cool. Um, but, oh well. Uh, today I went on Major League Baseball. Uh, Hisashi Iwakuma. Hisashi Iwakuma. Seven strikeout, no hitter uh, for the Mariners. He says, gave the AL its first no-hitter since Mariners teammate Felix Hernandez's 2012 perfect game. Uh, I think this is his first complete game, too, if I, one of the other things I read. Wow. So, props to him, man. No-hitters, I don't know. I, 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 they're, I think they're more frequent than they used to be, but still they're, they're a hard thing to accomplish. You know? yep. yep. They're still not the most common thing, no. that's for certain. Look at Kershaw. He's such a beast. He's been... He got off to a little bumpy start there, but uh, once he found his groove, say, uh, I don't know, about a month before the All-Star break, he's been... over a six straight year. Which is amazing, yeah. right? There are a lot of guys that would be going into, like, September, hoping to get to 200. He's in... Not even, he's, like, about to be middle August. We're not even mid-August yet. And he's hit it. So, no, he's... Tonight he pitched, I, I think I mentioned already, eight innings, eight strikeouts, no walks, and no hits. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I mean, no runs. No runs. Uh, three hits. So, I mean, that's in August. That's a, that's a hell of a score line uh, for anybody, you know, to put up. Because uh, August is the tough, seat of the tough time, you know. The, the, come September, the, the, the coach is getting you some time off. If, if you're going to the playoffs, if you're not going to the playoffs, it doesn't matter. Right. So, like, this is where, like, these are the, as they say, the dog days of summer. These are the when it gets it's hotter. It's everything's harder yeah. at this point than it was at any other time. Um, so to put up those kind that kind of a scoreline is, is pretty damn impressive. It's got to be interesting to you know talk to, you know, we talk to some current day batters. We heard interviews of guys talking about you know walking up to the plate and seeing you know Randy Johnson out there. You know, guys like. 6'10". He's going to throw 100 miles an hour. You're afraid of getting hit. Killing birds. Yeah, he's killing birds. <laughs> You're just paranoid. It's just like closing your eyes and swinging. He also, I think, leads the league every year in wild pitches. <laughs> it's gotta be- I don't think those any of those were accidental. I don't. I don't. I, I always contended like he did not throw an accidental no, wild pitch. Well you, well, you can put the ball on the corner of the plate consistently anytime you want. Oh my gosh, wild pitch. Uh, that happened to be near your head. <laughs> it's like a hunting with uh, Cheney. <laughs> yeah, I heard you were talking to my wife, baby. <laughs> I've got a message for you. <laughs> like, he's such a good shot normally. <laughs> yeah, I gotta I got imagine uh, walking us at a plate and Kershaw sit on the mound. It's gotta be a little intimidating, too, you know? Uh, Bomb Gardner. There's a few out there that you're gonna go, oh, Gosh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if I get a hit off this guy, I look good in a highlight reel. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All good. Well, you know, it's it's interesting that uh, we're this far into the season. You know, we're, we're getting, it's closing in on uh, playoff time, right? Yeah. How many more? Well, one more week. Uh, I know with the Dodgers, they are fifty games left, which so pretty everybody okay. else about the same. Okay. So. You know, 50 yeah, games. You can probably get in about four more games before the season's out. Right? Oh, I'm going tomorrow. I'm going tomorrow as part of our – we didn't travel this year, this summer, so we're doing the whole staycation thing. Yeah. And it starts tomorrow. Sort of started on Monday with the kids in Magic Mountain. But uh, tomorrow we go to the Dodgers playing the Reds. 
and that's the bobblehead night for oh. Sandy Koufax. Koufax, which is kind of cool. That's like, very cool. There's not much bubble I, I, really I not in that whole thing, Kofax but Koufax is like, yeah, that's kind of cool. And it it is in celebration of his fourth no hitter, which was the only perfect game pitched in Dodger history. Really? Yeah. So his fourth no hitter was a perfect game. Walks, huh? no, no errors. No errors. Uh, so wow. yeah, so it's in honor of that. This is the 20th anniversary. No, not 20th. 50th. <laughs> 50th, 40th. Like, we're talking like... 50, it's got to be 50th. It's 40 or 50. It's, it's not 20th. 50th. It's um, I think it 40, is 50. 40th would have been, what, 19... He was out of baseball by then. 19, in the uh, 70s, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it was. It was. You're right. It was. It must be 50. So, it's the anniversary of that uh, game, which is a big deal. Uh, and he was the first... Pitcher to ever pitch four no hitters. Um, since since then, there's been others, but he was the first. So yeah, it'd be kind of cool, kind of cool. I mean, I wish they were playing. The Reds aren't slouches, but they're not. They're in a division where the Cardinals are in first place. If the season were in today, the two wild card teams would be the Pirates and, believe it or not, the Cubs. The Cubs, so all three in the same division, and and. The Reds are just under 500 and behind those three teams. So their season's over, unfortunately for them. Uh, so you get those great seats again? Not quite. Like not quite as good, but like good, but not yeah. crazy good. So um, it'll be fun. It'll be a good game. Uh, the bobblehead thing will make the kids happy. They get toys. You know. I don't know. Not a big, like I said, not a big. But if I'm gonna have one bobblehead, that's the only other person I'd like to have. I wouldn't mind having like a bobblehead of like. Uh, Valenzuela. Fernando, I, that, that would be cool. Because he looked like a bobblehead uh, while he was about? playing. I, I, saw, I, saw him, uh, I definitely saw him pitch uh, when he was pitching in the minors in Mexico long after his Dodger career. But one time I was playing golf, uh, Montebello Golf Course, uh, quiet, quiet Canada, Montebello Golf Course. And uh, I was kind of off the fairway behind like a tree. And so I go walking over to my ball, and there's two balls there. <laughs> And I look up, and uh, the lefty who's probably trying to chip out of there <laughs> is Fernando Valenzuela. <laughs> so it looks like we, uh, you know, we, we, we golf pretty much the same. Right? Uh, <laughs> well, I had that screwball he had, but I could put my golf ball in <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, wow, that's pretty cool. Nice. That'll be fun. Yeah, it should be fun. Kids love it. Yeah. At least... My son does. My daughter's. She, she puts up with it. Yeah. <laughs> she does that stuff so she can do her stuff. <laughs> and she's. And she's better at that than probably your son is. Yeah. She's smarter than my son and she knows to keep her mouth shut and not complain. Yeah, it's funny how that works, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how many times are you going to go, dude, you know how many times. We've put up with your crap. You, come on, you got to do our stuff. Uh, yeah, I had those same conversations. <laughs> yeah, what you gonna do? Just, just that's it. Deal with it. Because <laughs> you know, I, I, as, as 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 you and I know, I was like, you know, it'd be a lot more fun if, if none of you were here. <laughs> yeah, there was a chance there that uh, my wife wasn't gonna be able to make it, uh-huh. even though I made sure like. We're going yeah, we're because going. you can make it. Exactly. I said, "Well, that's fine. Uh, you don't have to, but if if you don't go, 
then I'm going alone. There's no I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah, there's no way I'm going there. No way. Because when they get antsy, because the game got a little slow and they get antsy, she's happy to take them and go get whatever. Well, still watch the game. And I can watch the game. But if I've got to pay attention to what they are they're hungry for or they are bored I'm like then then I won't even go and since I've already paid for the tickets I will I will sit with the whole four seats I won't even sell them <laughs> that'll be pure luxury and anybody who tries to sit yeah. there I'll be like that's my but seat see, I got the same thing when no, I had, no no when I own I had, that when I had season tickets to the Raiders there were multiple times when I had, I had three seats <laughs> and there were multiple times I was there by myself and the same thing somebody goes no that's my seat <laughs> Pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can't put your jacket there. No, you can't Nothing. put your ass there. No, you can't put anything there. Unless you're a hot chick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you gotta love that. It's like <laughs> it's two on, two out. You know, and you get the game's tied, and then you get Dad. I gotta use the restroom. <laughs> I'm hungry. Really? You're hungry. You're like you no. ate four hot dogs, a thing of popcorn, a thing of cotton candy. Three cokes and, and a bag of peanuts, and, and you're hungry. And we're already down about two bills. <laughs> yeah, you're hungry. All right, well. And then the way home because you have fun. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> and you can't just send them up there to, on their own because oh no, because you don't know what pedophiles run around. Up there. What shit? Oh, they just get lost. They get lost. <laughs> and you get remember remember the old days? They don't do this anymore. But remember the old days? We're looking for we're a lost, lost parent. parent. Exactly. <laughs> I ain't fucking lost. <laughs> My kids got lost, though. <laughs> well, the parents of... So-and-so. So-and-so. They don't do that anymore. They don't do that anymore, huh? Well, you know why they don't do it anymore? Too many. <laughs> Everybody's got a cell phone. Ah, uh, yes. I, I don't know this personally, but I That's imagine right. that what That's ends up happening right. is you get a call... From the Dodger security, security. <laughs> so yeah, we which, have which your really sucks, two kids. Which really sucks because it's a number I don't recognize. I don't answer. Yeah. <laughs> For certain. <laughs> two one three. I don't really want to do two one three. Nope. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> yeah, he's been gone a long time. I hope he's enjoying whatever he's at. <laughs> I'm sure, there was just lines. There was lines. <laughs> Waiting in line. Oh, yeah, parenthood. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. And you know what? It's funny because how many times you go, okay, look, 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 we're in section C, row 12, <laughs> or, or aisle 12, row, you know, whatever. Just, come on. <laughs> hey, my kid got lost in a Holocaust museum oh, you're about for that. two hours. Oh, and the, it only went one direction. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like it was a tour type of thing. It only went <coughs> in one direction. It's not like you could double back or something. And he still managed to get lost. So you, with all those and the Holocaust was yeah, yeah. That's trauma. That's trauma. his own damn fault. <laughs> uh, you know, a, a place with multiple levels uh-huh. and multiple entrances and exits. If the wife can't make it, then I'll be solo. I might give you a call. <laughs> I'll be there. <laughs> how many times? How many times? Come on. I, you know, okay, our kids have all this technology. You know, they've grown up with all kinds. I would go to, like, Disneyland with my dad and my parents, you know, my younger sister and brother, so I was a little older, so I could do this with a watch. Yeah. And they'd say, at, you know, 15 after a certain hour, 
We're all meeting right here. This spot right here. Yeah. And I run <laughs> off. I mean, I want to park, blah, blah, And I go, oh, shit. That's got about 20 minutes estimated to get back to there, which I'd be off by about 10 minutes. But we don't end up right there. You know, and as long as you follow those rules, all was good. Our kids have all this technology, and they still, they, you can't get a hold Timers, of them. Timers, Yeah. Where are <laughs> <And> you? <laughs> no response. <laughs> And when they show up, they say, why do I pay for that phone? <laughs> I didn't look at it. Well, why not? I give this. I, don't, I didn't give you this phone so you could talk to your girlfriend. I gave this phone so I could track your ass every moment of the day. And when I call, you call me back. If I text, you if I text I, on your way, I don't want to. Black, well, I was on my way, Dad. No, I want to. Yes, sir. Yeah, exactly. At first, sir, but I'll settle for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, killing me. You're killing me, man. Yeah. Ah, I think we've, 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 we've actually maxed out our sports knowledge, haven't we? I think so. I don't know that there's much more. I would like to say that this whole NFL is bullshit. <laughs> Which part? I mean, all of it. Uh, but I'm talking specifically about the uh, – Somebody I, I read somewhere. I think it was the Giants owner who said that there's a better than fifty fifty chance that there will be an NFL team in LA, LA. in 2016. That's that, that's the one that I heard. That's what yeah. That's what I was talking about. And I'm with AD. I'll believe it when I see it. I'm totally that. Somebody's already selling tickets. You don't even know what team it is. They, I saw a thing on the news says you can start purchasing tickets to LA games for the 2016 season. And you have no idea what team it's going to be or where it's going to be played. No, I don't. I'm not. I am not buying this because there are so many problems with this whole thing. Uh, I mean, we can go into it forever. But one of the big problems is, is like the, the when the NFL asked for local venues to say, "Hey, who wants to who wants to host the team?" The while game, the shit's the Roswell game, the big middle the, finger, man. exactly. <laughs> The only the only venue that said yes we will is the Coliseum, and that's the only venue that the NFL, the NFL doesn't want to play in. Which is the best venue for football, as far as I'm concerned. It, I mean, it needs a ton of work, it's got but the history. if you're only be there for a year or two, yeah, it's a great I, venue. I love it's a that. great place to be. I love that place. Um, but the NFL's pretty much ruled it out. So it's only like, because of luxury seating. That's yeah. It's all for it's all because of the millionaires. Yeah. For the for the average person, it's a great place to watch football. It is. I never. I, I'll never be in a luxury booth, so it doesn't really matter. And they know they can't sell it out. Right. No, you can never sell it. It's seats a hundred thousand. Hundred thousand. Hundred two thousand. I think it's. You're not going to sell it out, and you have no luxury booth. So the NFL said no because we won't make enough money. Yeah. So Carson declined. Oh, where the where the Galaxy play? They won't yeah. do it. No. Did they check in? Did they check in the Viking Stadium? <laughs> LBCC or yeah. Real Scholars? I don't know. So, I mean, like right there, that's a major, major hurdle. Yeah, there's, a, yeah. there's no way. There's no way. 2017, maybe. But 2016 is is next year. 2016 is less than six months away. I mean, well, it's a year away for football, but yeah. But, to, to get to I guess they're talking 2016, 2017, maybe. But that, about, well, but kickoff is in September, right? So no. be, it's a year, a year away. No way. No way. No way. No way. It's just because, like no you way. said, they want the, the NFL doesn't want the Coliseum. 
Which is really weird because the Olympic Committee does. <laughs> the NFL's got the, you know, they're, they're, they've become so pretentious. They have. You know, they have. Just, you know, this, this luxury boxes. and You know what? I, I like the days when I could go spend 12. I mean, I, I spent a lot more when I had season tickets. But I do remember an era when, you know, you spend 12, 14 bucks, you can get a seat. Watch the game. Yeah. Have a good time. You know. But now it's like, okay, you got to pay X number to park, X number to get in. And like you said, you talk about a family, and, and they, even baseball, and the price you pay for food, beers, sodas, chips, peanuts. You know, if you don't have a couple hundred bucks, that's just for a small family. I mean, you know. Yeah. And, and, and you know, if you do anything else. Uh, Forget about like, souvenirs. Well, yeah, souvenirs. And you talk about oh, stuff like Felipe's, or you know, all the mm-hmm. all the all ancillary what do you call it, ancillary things that go along with the, the, a day out for for the for the ballpark. It's just it's it's not cost effective. I mean, you got to have a whole lot of expendable income that you. The average person, you know, back in the day, that's like I said when I was in Mexico. The greatest thing about being in Mexico when we used to go there, besides the extracurricular activities, <laughs> um, when it came to like. Sports, we used to go to the minor league baseball games, right? Yeah. yeah. League, it was like $2 to get in the game. You know, beers are just a few bucks. And we were watching major league players that were being rehabbed. So, right, right. You know, we were or, or on the backside of their career. Like I said, I saw Fernando pitch. I saw, uh, when I was in Oklahoma in a minor league game last, last summer, I saw Manny, uh, Manny Ramirez play. Uh, you know, so for the price you pay for minor league, it's like old-time Mm-hmm. Pro ball, pro ball, and uh, to me, it's worth it. I mean, it's, it's you know the quality, eh, not quite the same, but if you just want to go out and have a good time, have, have you know have a few yeah. years and watch the ball, there you go. Yeah, pick a pick a triple A or double A game and go do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the the, the pro leagues are quickly becoming uh, the it's, domain of the. It's of an elite. The, it's it's all becoming for the wealthy. Yeah, for you know, the wealthy. It's, it's for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Or the people who are just willing to like, like that's the only thing they do. They don't do anything else, so they can spend all their money on that, which is fine. I mean, if that's your if that's your your thing, then and you're willing to spend that kind of dollars, then then. But yeah, and the NFLs, you know, there. I, I just I, the thing I hate the most about them is the when they whine. Yeah. So there are no there are no public dollars in California. <laughs> You know why? Your team is owned by a billionaire. This is fucking California. We have... We don't have water. We got other shit. And the thing is, we got tons of things to do. Yeah. There are no shortage. We're not... Like, there's a reason why St. Louis is bending over backwards to keep the Rams. Because they've got the Cardinals. And they've got the Rams. That's it. I mean, there's nothing else to do. Like, people in Missouri leave Missouri... To come to California or to wherever. to We don't leave here. Like, we can do staycation here and have a perfectly good time. We've got beaches. We've got mountains. We've got, as we've talked about many times, there are so, we've got fucking Academy Awards. We've got Universal City. Just walking down Santa Monica Boulevard, you can, or or 3rd Street there in the promenade, you can see stars. Famous people. (laughs) You can be driving on the freeway and see famous people. Isn't that the truth? It's it's and it's funny because 
you, people talk about LA, right? You go, oh my God, everybody's filing out of this game because the game and the game's not over it. Yeah, because they're leaving the Laker game to make it to an Angel or a Dodger game. I mean, right. there's so many things. Like you said, there's so many. I mean, I just we've all done this just because we can. I skied one morning and surfed one afternoon mm-hmm. just just because we could. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, you go to places like you know, I, I visit my parents in Oklahoma. <coughs> You know, you got to kind of get there early enough to get a ticket to a minor league baseball game because they sell out. They got the they got minor league baseball and the Oklahoma Thunder. That's it. And, and you know what I mean. And you know, you got museums and stuff. But you know what I mean. Yeah. Your options are limited. Right. Your, your options for you know professional type activities are limited. So yeah. You know we. You're we're, so jaded. Jaded. We're, we're jaded. jaded. We're definitely jaded. We're definitely jaded. There's no two ways about it. There's no two ways about it. And for the NFL to complain or whine, they don't complain so much as they whine. It's like, so we should subsidize your – I wish T-Bone was here. He jumped right in. Uh, we should subsidize your billion-dollar owners for your trillion-dollar league. <laughs> I don't think so. Not happening. <laughs> and, you know, don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. No, because, like you said, there's another billion-dollar owner who wants to get here, and eventually somebody will fork up the money. You know, it's like you hear about some of these, these these things in different cities where they go, well, if we can't get the taxpayers to pay it, maybe we can well, – why? Because they're, they're guaranteed to sell out. Well, you look at some of these uh, – uh, like. Long-term baseball teams that never won anything, but they've it's sold out for like 50, 60 years. Mm-hmm. I had a buddy of mine who had season tickets to the New York Giants, and this is years before they were like, you know, they won a few championships <laughs> before being a team worth watching. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like you know, so like we 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 were on a waiting list for a number of years before we could actually buy tickets. Okay, you know, we got too many options here, man. Mm-hmm. Too many options here. And like you said, you can. Yeah, two. We got two pro baseball teams. You got realistically, no matter how how dedicated you are, you're just a few hours away from two pro football teams. No matter how you travel, right? You got. Uh, well, if you look at that way, four football. Well, pro, that's true. Pro. Four, four. If you look at that way, yeah. You got and you got. We got hockey. We got two of them. Two basketball teams. We got you know three soccer, of them. Soccer teams. Yeah. I mean, come on. And like you said, you got the. All the awards. Hockey, don't forget hockey. Uh, hockey, you got all the awards. Two of them. Three of them, three if you're of, willing to do them, some uh, little... All the awards, you got the entertainment industry, the concerts every night, tons of clubs, uh, you know, beaches and mountains and hiking. And, and like you said, you could. there are parts of this Southern California, you could stroll around. If you're a people watcher, you could go, that's so-and-so, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's so-and-so. Or I was at the... I used to go to this, this club... Called the uh, the Sky Room on Sunset Boulevard, uh, above the whatever hotel it was. I think it was the Standard, or whatever. And every time I was there, first of all, it was owned by who's the model with the thing, Christy. Uh, she's got the little mole thing, not Christy Brinkley, but uh, one of the supermodels. It was owned by her husband Gerber, Garber, Gerber, Garber, whatever, Randy Gerber. And so, a friend of mine knew him, so we always were able to just get into this thing because you have to be on a list. And every time we were there, it was just like, there's so-and-so, there's so-and-so, there's so-and-so. And really, we saw Jaded. We were like, yeah, whatever. Give me another drink. <laughs> right. Because, <laughs> you know, but if you're from the Midwest or somewhere else where you're not just, and like you said, you see, we see people on the freeways. And, you know, I've worked, I've worked for a number of people. And it's like, whatever. But there's just so many things to do here. Why should we subsidize your shit? 
Right. There's just no reason for it. Subsidize, again, billionaires. That's why the 84 Olympics, they said, was I think was the only modern-day profitable Olympic thing uh, because it was all, you know, Uberoth used all existing venues right. and private funding. I think the only thing they built part. was like the velodrome or something like that. Yeah. So... Which was relatively cheap because it was just... It's just a big hole. Because it wasn't indoor. It was an outdoor one at the time. Ah. So it was all just big cement. <laughs> yeah, like poor cement, essentially. I mean, it wasn't... Yeah. And they used... They used the... the for the rowing, they used down here in Long which Beach. Is the original from the 30s. For swi- right. Yeah. For the swimming, they used the Belmont Pool, which, which was still there at the time, yeah. uh, 32. Yeah. Um, which I've that. actually swim at. It's, uh, it's gone now. That's where my kids learned. It's my being kids gone now. Young, but uh, that was a kids. fast, fast pool, mm-hmm. man. Oh, yeah. Oh, you raced there, huh? I raced there, yeah. My man. other kids learned to swim there. Oh, well, yeah. actually, all my kids learned to swim there. Well, so, the point, point is, is there were a lot of – that was smart. They yeah. did it right. And what they had to build was was minimal in in the bigger. They weren't building eight billion dollar stadiums no. or whatever no. kind of. They're putting stand. They're putting seats up at the Case like Castaic or something. Right. Like, so like, yeah, yeah, is, yeah. So, huh. there you go. Hey, we took it all the way to the end. We did it. <laughs> we did it. Next week on Swoops Road, uh, our guest is Brad Comstock. He's a brewer. I uh, think he's a head brewer at uh, Rock Bottom Brewery here in uh, Long Beach. And uh, we'll figure out that whole situation there. Uh, we want to thank Andrew Peterson for joining us tonight. Uh, tech, check him out. <coughs> AndrewPeterson.com. Uh, his latest book, uh, Contract to Kill, is available on uh, Audible.com, as well as all the uh, places you buy hard copies at. So check him out and uh, follow him on Twitter at Andrew Peterson Novels. And you can find him on Facebook as well. If you just go to uh, andrewpeterson.com, if you can't remember that, go to the first front page of Swoofer. Click on the post. It's got him listed, and it'll take you to his uh, website, and you can get to all the social media from there. Peter, any great last words of wisdom for our listeners? No, I can't help you guys out tonight. Sorry. <laughs> You're all out, huh? I'm all out. <laughs> Dream as if you'll live forever. Live as if you'll die today. Good night, all. Good night. The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Story Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors.